0: All
1: right, and welcome to another adventure here on Southern Scent. You're here listening to the hostess with the least monsters, the radio chickadee, Annie. Along with my co-host, hopefully he has some sound, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. Are you alive and well with us? Oh, unmute Curtis. Let's try this once more. Okay, Curtis, we're trying to unmute you. Can you hear us?
2: Yes, I just couldn't hear no music, intro music.
0: Ah, I that's interesting.
1: Oh, well, no, actually, there's got to be a problem on my end because my music didn't. See, everything's coming through the mixer board. So if you hear my voice, you should have heard the music. That is really weird. There's no reason I'm for that because you. everything is hooked up. Ah, that is really, really strange. I don't and
2: understand I was, to see if the, I, I was trying to see if the, the guys in the chat room um, heard the music or not. I didn't get a response.
1: Huh? I, just, I even tested it before coming on air. I could hear it coming through my headset. So no settings have changed. So there's absolutely no reason for it to not be heard through the, uh, the soundboard. I made sure wow. that the, the, the light meter was going. Huh. Very, very interesting. Well, we have to find out what the heck is going on, because it seems to be maybe a problem with Skype and not necessarily, um, no, it shouldn't be. A, no settings have changed.
2: Either that anyway. or the NSA is running interference.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Maybe they thought I was in D.C. now on, on uh, January 6th. <laughs> Oh, Oh, man. Well, we've got ourselves a lot going on. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer was supposed to be with us last week. Turns out he couldn't get a phone signal out, which is why he wasn't here. Uh, But he has promised to be here. So, Curtis, you have his number in case he shows up a little late to call him in. But we will have him today. We also have Naomi Wolf. She's got a new book out called The Bodies of Others, The New Authoritarians. COVID-19 and the War Against the Human. Uh, She's also uh, the editor and um, CEO, co-founder of The Daily Clout. And uh, that's going to be a very, very interesting uh, conversation with her. Um, Yeah, so we'll have a lot of fun talking to her. Also, we're going to have back Kevin uh, McCleary. Uh, He has Every Black Lives Matter, and he's a member also of the Frederick Douglass Foundation out of California. And I'm going to finish up with a guest from the Heritage Foundation. It's going to be E.J. and Tony. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about, a lot to do. And over the weekend, I'm going to have to figure out what the technical difficulty is because I ran the test prior to air and everything worked okie-dokie. So we'll just see what the story is. Uh, I hope my mixer board didn't blow up on me. Anyway, those that listen to the show know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. But today is going to be a little bit different. Today, this week, marks a full week of Law Enforcement Week. So we dedicate the show to all the men and women out there that have served, who are serving, and who also gave their life serving as first responders in law enforcement. Be they police officers, sheriffs, Uh, Border Patrol, uh, 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 prison uh, wards, um, you name it, whatever form of law enforcement there is out there, this week is dedicated to the brethren in blue that walk that thin blue line like I did. So as we go off, I don't have anything specifically written down. This is only going to come out... um, off the top of my head and uh, it was rather ironic. Monday I had my tea party meeting and I was having a candidate forum and two of the candidates were running for sheriff here in my county. And those who understand the constitutionality of sheriffs, they are the highest law of the land in your state and your county. And we had two of them, the challenger and the incumbent and um, I questioned the challenger because there were several articles going back as late as 2018 um, stating that the challenger, a former uh, deputy sheriff, uh, had been fired from the county for lying. And that is something I just can't quite tolerate. So during our Tea Party meeting, I questioned him on it and I got sort of a hum and a hum and a hum and a answer. And that's the very individual that puts a smear on all the brave men and women out there that serve honorably and honestly. So you do see a law enforcement officer out there, as I said, be they a police officer, a sheriff, uh, whatever, uh, border patrol, if um, criminal justice system, whatever, walk up to them and thank them for their service. Because as I reflect back, I think of three people that I knew while serving in NYPD. And one was a fellow classmate who graduated the police academy with me. He was a good kid. He was a friend We would sit down and study. He went on to serve in Queens. And he was executed on the orders of a drug dealer because he was guarding a witness's house. His name? is Eddie Burns. Gary Busick was responding to a traffic stop. He was also executed. Bobby Mashadi. he was executed by an illegal alien who had been deported three times, the last time by a friend of mine, Mike Cutler, who at the time was assigned to ICE out of Brooklyn North. And then Reggie Regimentowski. This guy was a bodybuilder. Man, he was a brick shithouse. He was a good kid. He was an undercover cop. Actually, he was a street crime. He was decapitated by a guy that was not only drunk, but stoned. Then his car went airborne and killed Reggie. Every day, we strap on our uniforms, never knowing if we'll make it home. And our family, our spouses, our girlfriends, boyfriends, our kids, our parents, fear that phone call. My husband would get it, and the first things the desk officer would say, don't worry, she's okay, she's just being treated at the hospital. Every day he saw me walk out the door, wondering if I would ever walk home. These men and women do that every day today, and they still do it. Despite the hatred, the stigma, they remain dedicated and loving, and loyal to those they protect and serve. So today, and for the rest of this week, remember those serving in law enforcement those first responders who never know if they're gonna make it home, who loves ones, never know if they're gonna make it home, and yet they still go out there every single day and serve. So to them, I dedicate this song by Todd Allen Herndon. My name is America, and it also goes out to all the brave men and women that serve in our military. For the birth of this nation through today, and into its future. May God bless each and every one.
3: With the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends When I'm attacked I protect and deal I stand for my respect for humanity. Now I'm challenged by tyrants who envy my power, but their vicious deeds become my power.
1: 23 from auto, 21 from gunfire, and 60 from medical. Last year, there was over 600 line of duty deaths in 2021, up well over 200 from the year before in 2020, which over 400. This year, the largest cause of death was from COVID-19 followed by gunfire automobile crash, vehicle assault, heart attack, pursuit. The 26 of them were military veterans. The average age was 47, the oldest being 70, the youngest near 22. The shortest length of service was a mere 270 days. The average length of service that those who died in the line of duty was 16 years. The longest last year was 43 years. The day of the week that was the deadliest turns out to be a Thursday, only to be followed by Monday and Tuesdays. And the state with the largest number of line duty deaths was Texas. And that was followed by California. So when you see a law enforcement officer, take the time and thank them. All right, you're here listening to Southern Sense, live on Blog Talk Radio, up on iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook. And now you can actually find me live, the video, with a rumble chat room. So you don't need to sign into Blog Talk Radio any longer. You don't need to sign into YouTube or Facebook if you don't want. You just go to my webpage, which is SouthernSense. put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. So if you want to get off of BTR and you want to get off of YouTube and Facebook and you don't want to have a hassle of having to sign into anything, you can go over to my webpage, you can view the video, see us live, and participate in that chat room that you can participate in for free. So check it out, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the most when you Chickadee Annie, along with my co-host Curtis C.S. Bennett, who will be getting ready to call our first guest in in about another less than five minutes.
0: Correct, Curtis?
2: Well, I have a question about that, because it sounds like we have Naomi Wolf first on an right. episode At- of
1: Yes, All and right. I had texted you her phone number the other day. Okay. Open up.
2: All right. Text message. Let me check on that.
0: <laughs> because I did
2: get um, Schaefer's, but you had the time 1330 on it, so that kind of confused yes. me. But I, Oh, I'm I
1: sorry. Talk- uh, uh, t- t- tony is at 2 o'clock. I, I missed up the time, but Naomi is in four minutes, and that's the phone okay. number you received on your text yesterday.
2: Yep, I'll contact you. All right.
1: <laughs> we got our act together. Yay! We do actually have our act together.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: I want to welcome everyone that is here in the chat room here on Blog Talk Radio, also over there listening on Facebook and uh, YouTube. And hopefully we'll start migrating over to my page and uh, and uh, see what's going on over there and check it out because uh, you get to see my smiling face and uh <laughs> Watch how badly I've confessed of a wet dream. Oh man! I mean, I gotta, I gotta tell you, sometimes, you know, people really, really do amaze me, because when I go and do the radio show, I put a sign on my front door that I'm on air, not to knock, not to ring the doorbell. Well, of all times, the exterminator comes to feed the termite traps, and of course, what's he do? Thirty seconds to airtime, he's knocking on the front door. And I'm running around to the front door, pointing at the sign, going, I'm on air. I mean, people really, really, really true do amaze me, Curtis. You know that? It it doesn't matter how much of a flag you put up for them. (laughs) They're just going to ignore it.
2: That's true. Oh,
1: there's. Anyway, uh, we've got a lot to talk about, and as I said, uh, we've got Naomi Wolf coming up with that excellent book. And for some reason, I can't remember whether I printed out the notes for her thing. And I have it saying, look at the notes, and I hope I did. And no, I didn't. I'm going to have to do this all by memory and mind. (laughs) What a nut. Ah, jeez. I know, I do have them. I do have them. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. All right. Well, anyway, we, we're waiting for Curtis to give a call to Naomi, and we'll bring her on in a few minutes. Um, here's a little note. Um, we've got the uh, primary coming up in Georgia, uh, and uh, David Perdue is going against uh, Kemp, Governor Kemp. And uh, President Trump had actually endorsed David Perdue over Kemp. Uh, mainly because he was ticked off about how the Georgia election went. Uh, But, however, the Georgia Election Commission has not stopped investigating. That is still ongoing. Um, But it turns out David Perdue is not out there campaigning. So President Trump has actually stepped back from doing any campaigning or publicity for David Perdue. And it seems going into the Republican primary in the state of Georgia, it will be Kemp who will end up with the nomination because there's no one else up there running against them. So this is going to be very, very interesting. Um, I've never known a candidate being endorsed by President Trump not capitalize on that endorsement and actively campaign. Now here in South Carolina, we have District 1, which uh, was originally uh, Mark Sanford. Uh, then it was He lost it to Joe Cunningham, Beer Can Joe, uh, who lost it then to Nancy Mace, who has turned out to be the biggest rhino in the House at this point in time. She's more worried about animal rights than our constitutional rights. Uh, She was also someone who certified the election uh, before we could make any sort of a protest. And then she also condemned the January 6th individuals as insurrectionists uh, before anything had happened. Uh, So it's going to be interesting going on here in District 1. But let's bring in our first guest, Naomi Wolf, if I can say that three times fast. Uh, She is the author of The Body of Others, The New Authoritarian COVID-19 and the War Against the Human. Good afternoon, Naomi. How are you today? And do I have Naomi? I have the hand up. Okay, Naomi, can you hear me? I guess we don't have our guest. All right. I don't hear her. Um, Curtis, I see her in the studio, but I don't hear her.
2: Yeah, I just, just talked to her. She's she's there.
1: Okay. All right, she's there. Uh, Naomi, yeah. if your phone or your device is on mute, unmute yourself, because we have no voice. Otherwise, uh, try calling us back. Um, we've got nothing here. We've got absolutely nothing I
0: wonder, here.
2: I wonder if she's using headphones. Let me check.
1: All right, yeah, check to see what's going on there because I have I've got no sound here. Absolutely none. Anyway, I was talking about here in South Carolina, District One, and yesterday our county GOP had a candidate forum, uh, where they invited all the candidates running in District One, which is now down to three. Uh Lindsay Piper Lomas, uh, Katie Arrington, who is endorsed by President Trump, and Nancy Mace. Uh and up until quarter to after 12 a quarter to one this yesterday afternoon Nancy Mays was showing up now Congress went into recess at 12 o'clock um, so there was no reason for her not to be here in South Carolina um, but uh, she didn't show up and she canceled at 12:46 in the afternoon when the forum was going to be at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Plenty of time for her to get from Washington, D.C., to the state of South Carolina. It's not a big leap, by airplane or anything. Uh, But she canceled last minute, which seems very strange because she didn't show up. That did not bode very well. Um, Our guest is on the line, but she cannot hear you. But you can hear me, Curtis. All right, this is not going too well um let's see when you try to get her to call uh get her to call back in um let's get this right. and i'm just sending curtis a little message to get her to call back in or something um i don't know what's going on there curtis but uh she could not hear me that is really weird what is going on with block truck radio today this is really really I don't
2: weird know. She's going to call back in, but she All says right. she holds you for a short while, and then you just just faded away.
1: If, if you're in the chat room and I sound completely fine, you know, just let me know if I'm fading in and out. If there's something wrong with my connection, I'll have to dial back in. But let's try this one more time and see if we have Naomi Judd. Uh, well, Naomi Judd. Naomi <laughs> Wolf with us. Good answer I might okay. Naomi Okay, hey, we how got are you? you! Hooray! Yeah, hooray. Oh, I am doing, doing fine. We're just having one of those technological days that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So they must know we're talking <laughs> about <in> your book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. So
1: you know, there's, there's a couple of subjects that when I start talking about, it, all funny things happen. That would be either China or COVID. Geez, amazing oh, wow. how the two of them are related. <laughs> it is. I agree. I agree. Well, i got to tell you, um, uh, I've got my mom, she, she's turning 90 July 4th, living with me. And uh, mm-hmm. Tuesday night, she took a fall. And I had started mm-hmm. to read your book. Uh, and she mm-hmm. fell you a know, little before uh, 1130 last night. And so we got her up. We got her back into bed and everything. She's, she's fine. She's just fine. But it rattled right. me, and I couldn't go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, I started reading Naomi's book. So I, I picked it up just to ease my mind, and I started reading the book again. You know, by the mm-hmm. time I was ready to go to bed, I had some of the worst nightmares. I felt I was trapped mm-hmm. in 1984 in the Orwell
4: wow. book. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Sorry, I 80- mean, it you know, it ends hopefully, but you're right. I mean, we are in a nightmarish time, and the book does kind of – pull the curtain back and show who are these bad actors and what are their intentions um, before it talks about how we can fight back and reclaim our, our, Republic and our humanity.
1: But we've, we've actually ceded a lot of our liberties, a lot of our freedoms to government, all in the name of public health. Uh, this mm. pandemic, which has proven that the more you lock people down and the more you face, force them into these masks and everything else, the worse it is. The exact yeah. opposite is true, that if we stay open yeah. and free, yeah. there's less chance.
4: Now, right. as well, I was reading yeah. your
1: book, and, and all of a sudden it's like, we've been through pandemics before. We had mm-hmm. the Spanish flu. Uh, we've had the measles. We've had polio we've been through a lot of different types of pandemics and mm-hmm. we've always remained open and free, but this is the mm-hmm. first time that we've ever had the public treated in such a manner. And shouldn't we be incest? Shouldn't we be fighting back? And why aren't we?
4: Well, yes, certainly we should. And that's why I wrote the bodies of others. Um, you're absolutely right. There's never been in the West, um, anything like this. Uh I, Basically, my the argument of my book is that, you know, in March of 2020, the pandemic was an excuse for a handful of bad actors, um, ranging from big tech companies to uh, the Chinese Communist Party, to um, the World Economic Forum, to loosely ally in such a way as to really wage a war on our freedoms and, and on what it meant to be human. Because I make the case in the bodies of others, you know, speaking as a tech CEO, that um, human beings and human spaces and human faces and worship and culture and theater and in-person schools and in-person town halls, all of these are competition to tech companies. And so, you know, I follow the money and the bodies of others and I show how tech companies raise their net revenue by, you know, an average of 30% all the way to 50% just by crushing the, you know, human advantage, human culture, human covering, human faces and so on. Um, But, you know, China had a huge hand and has a huge hand in the shape of the policies. And the World Economic Forum leader has boasted about placing his graduates in key roles around the world. And all of them are are creating this lockstep scenario globally, this lockstep script. And you're absolutely right that it has nothing to do with public health. Um, That's a complete pretext. It's nonsense. The data are in that States and countries that locked down, quote unquote, did no better in terms of COVID than states and countries that stayed wide open. The data are in that masks barely make a difference and are counterproductive. Children have lost 21 IQ points on average due to the um, restriction of stimulation caused by masks and lockdowns, and um, the data are in that, you know, as you point out, crowding people in multi-generational households denying them exercise in sunlight is the very thing that fosters infectious diseases. So it it has nothing to do. And I also point out in the bodies of others that a lot of the data was manipulated and fudged. Um, The CDC inflated the deaths of children, for instance, with COVID by 26%. We just found out that the department of defense um, is claiming that a glitch (laughs) is causing um, the quadruple rise in harm, you know, from vaccines, for instance. I mean, there's, and I point out that these, uh, and we build these products in my tech company, these digital dashboards that everyone was so scared of that all of the news media quoted as if they were gospel. You know, the Johns Hopkins dashboard, the, uh, you know, COVID-19 tracking dashboard that purported to show infection rates and deaths. Those are nonsense if you can't see the raw data sets. And none of the dashboards allowed anyone to look at the raw data sets, and none of them corresponded to, you know, state health um, department numbers, which are the only, you know, reliable data sets. So, you know, and I point out that you can do anything. That the way they count was fraudulent, right? For instance, they would stop counting before Thanksgiving and then start counting after Thanksgiving, and that would look like a spike caused by you going to see your grandma and hugging her right so it was just fraud all the way down the line and that and it's not over yet and the net result indeed is to leave us in a, a completely uh, traumatized state um you know with with the, the president having declared the open-ended extension of emergency law a month ago 28 states including where i live still under emergency law for no reason and that in turn leaves us incredibly vulnerable to things like, you know, being regulations that in New York State and Washington State, the governors are trying to pass that would lead us to be dragged off to quarantine camp with no recourse um, pending a court order like in Australia or in Shanghai. So this is a global war on the West, a global war on the family and on kids. And the goal is to strip us of our freedoms and transfer our assets to a bunch of oligarchs.
1: Well, you know, you point out in the book that they closed down businesses. Now, that small mom-and-pop sidewalk cafe had to be closed down, but the large restaurants were allowed to stay open. Uh, You had the small mom-and-pop bodega or corner store was forced to close, but Walmart and all the big box stores where you're going to crowd people together – in a small, right. you know, in a tightened area because that's the only place you can go and get toilet paper when it's still in stock. Right. And the shortages of, of items during the pandemic just floored me. Why toilet paper of all things, paper towels and toilet paper? You know, you would think it would well,
4: be theater, something yeah, else. Theater. No, but this is theater, and you see the theater starting up again. I mean, I trace in the opening of the book some of the key um, kind of Spectacles that the New York Times reported on that absolutely terrified my mom. And she allows me to do this. I use her as kind of the template of a smart, well read person who is reading mainstream news and getting completely freaked out by lies, right? And so, you know, the New York Times reported very memorably that uh, there were going to be COVID tents, tent hospitals in Central Park. And then everyone was absolutely terrified. Well, it cost like $55 million, but the tent hospitals lasted two weeks and were dismantled. The New York Times reported that a study showed that you could get COVID from surfaces. Well, of course, everyone stopped going to the grocery store, even those grocery stores that were allowed to stay open, and ordered from Amazon, which you know, whose net revenue went up about 40% over the course of the pandemic. Um, they reported that you know, bodies were staying up in, in, uh, in uh, funeral homes. But what, you know, if you read the fine print, which I show people in The Bodies of Others, it turned out that the governor suspended the processing of bodies. <laughs> and so, of course, they were stacking up because he didn't allow people to bury the bodies. Um, there was also these very terrifying stories about uh, mass graves at a place called Hart Island off the coast of New York. And, you know, super scary drone footage of these. Uh, you know, deep trenches full of coffins. Well, I had been reporting on researching Hart Island for another book before the pandemic, and I knew that that was absolutely standard for hard Island. There was nothing unusual about that. It's a potter's field, sadly, where people who um, are indigent are buried in deep trenches, you know, in plain pine boxes. So th- this was massive propaganda. You know, oh, oh, and the study about restaurants closed down 110,000 Restaurants owned by often by immigrants, you know, small business people, sole proprietors, they these assets that they'd worked so hard to build and pass on to their kids. A massive attack on the restaurant industry, the, the bar industry. They all had to close. And the study that the New York Times claimed showed that, you know, restaurants were a site of infection was based on a, a study done in China under the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party that couldn't be replicated showing allegedly that six people had got infected, you know, from air conditioning. But the, the point is all of these stories, the Sturgeon story, right, oh, the biker rally, you know, COVID doesn't have a DNA. You can't tell where people got infected. So there, these narratives uh, were propagated that were not scientific, that that had the effect of shutting down whole sectors of the economy, keeping kids home from school, um, turning children into alleged you know, vectors of death, uh, traumatizing them, you know, freaking them out. And all of it was based on lies. And, and they're still lying to us. And it set up a, a mechanism whereby as we're seeing with today's news with a monkeypox rollout, um, at any time, A declaration of of an infection can be made, and all of society can be crushed, all of our freedoms suspended, all of our assets transferred, and and that's the model. And now the World Health Organization wants a treaty, which they're discussing uh, the day after tomorrow, to allow to move the decision-making about public health crises to the World Health Organization above the heads of nation states, congresses, and parliaments, so they can show up with their mercenaries at any moment you know, saying, oh, you're a threat to public health. Let's take you off to dissident camp, oops, quarantine camp.
1: Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the monkeypox because the news was reporting, I I think it was yesterday, about this one guy in uh, the Boston area that came down with monkeypox, which he got because he interacted with some animal that scratched him, as I understand. But recently, the Nuclear Threat Initiative published a paper titled Strengthening Global Systems to Prevent and Respond to High-Consequence Biological Threats. And they published this in November based upon a March 2021 tabletop exercise simulating Mm. deadly global pandemic involving an unusual, I will quote, unusual strain of monkeypox virus, concluding with 250 million fatalities. Oh, good Don't Lord. get me
4: started. My husband this morning, my husband's a, a private detective, and he d- investigated this morning and found the um, sale of tens of thousands of doses of monkeypox vaccine, the prospectus for the monkeypox vaccine, and the plans for the rollout of the monkeypox vaccine um, early last year, 2021, and now we have the rollout of monkeypox. It's absolutely predictable. It's no, It's nonsense. I'm not saying it's not – a real thing they're releasing, but clearly sociopaths at the highest levels of meta governments are going to use this model of releasing pathogens or hyping pathogens in order to keep stripping us of our freedoms and taking our assets. And if we don't see through it and say, no, we're not going to do that no matter what you throw at us, um, we are going to be slaves and serfs, and we'll never get our liberties back. Our kids will grow up in a complete... Um, you know, Orwellian reality, as you've mentioned. I'm so sorry. I have to I have to jump off to my next commitment. Um, I had a – is that, is that a no, – cutting no, it to, no, cutting no, off no. too soon?
1: No, no, that, that's fine. We always have a guest that has to jump off a little bit early. So what we have to do is
4: have you come back on, and we can continue this conversation because
1: there's so much more to talk about.
4: Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for giving me the chance to talk about this with your audience. I just want to stress, so I don't think people might notice, the book does end hopefully. There's a lot we can do to unite and solve this. But, you know, first we have to understand who's, who's aiming uh, these negative intentions at us. And then if we gather together, we can save our republic. We can save our way of life.
1: All right. Well, there's a link up on the show page where people can click on it and download the Kindle or buy the book, and they can also follow you because you're the co-founder and CEO of Daily Clout. So, Naomi, thank you for joining us, and we definitely have to have you come back soon, very soon.
4: I would love it. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care.
1: All right. right, Check out Naomi Wolf after – whoop! Did I just – oh, I accidentally muted Curtis. I went to click one thing and also the screen switched me. Sorry about that, Curtis. But, you know, this this book is really fascinating because I was talking, starting to talk to her about the uh, monkeypox. That's the newest pandemic, folks. Watch it. I mean, COVID, everyone's tired of COVID. So COVID, you you can wave it and bludgeon people with it over the head. It's not working anymore. It's backfiring on the government. They're going to roll out this monkeypox. And then they're going to use the World Health, uh, organization to control the rest of us. Uh, they created a scenario, and what they want to do, um, they're uh, discussing requirements for the international architectures related to science-based, you're right, they ever filed the science, honestly, an early assessment of emerging pandemic risks and the timely international warnings and alerts for potential pandemics. In other words, they're going to say they're going to pull the alarm long before anything happens and prepare for us for another form of lockdown and stripping of us of our human freedoms and of our humanity. Uh, They're going to explore conditions that could trigger national pandemic exercise actions. Ah, catch this one. National actions. Mandatory vaccinations, mandatory ma- uh, masks, mandatory lockdowns, mandatory closures of businesses and services, while the elite get to remain open and free. And the rest of us, as she said, we will be the slaves and the serfs. They're already putting this down. Uh, they're no. going to explore conditions mm-hmm. right, from scaling back public health interventions. In other words, they're going to decide you have no choice. So whether or not they put you in one of these camps, because you won't get the vaccine, or if you come down with the monkey pox, you're going to be in isolation in one of these camps.
4: Uh,
1: yeah, this is this is really really uh, scary. Uh, it's like some, re- talk some
4: sci-fi
2: about- movie, you know? Yeah, we exactly we have come this far 1984, we George well. Yeah, we have come this far throughout humanity dealing with um, deadly diseases and plagues. And and now all of a sudden, everything has to be mandatory this, mandatory that. That should Uh tip off a lot of people just on that basis that something's going on here.
1: Now, she, she mentioned Big Pharma. All right, there's a heck of a lot that's coming out about these vaccines, And, folks, if if you had taken the vaccine, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't have good news for you Uh, because they're finding out the mRNA that is in those vaccines ends up altering your DNA. And you can pass that down to your offspring. They've actually created something that will alter the human. And the question is, is that when you have your children and they have this altered DNA, because the mRNA that was changed your DNA is now being passed off to your offspring, are they going to be actually human anymore? That's a very, very good question. And um, it, it, this is this is really, really scary. Now, big pharma is making billions and billions of dollars. Johnson and Johnson. Pfizer, Moderna, and you wonder why these vaccines are being pushed, because they're making a ton of money off of you, and that's all it is, and God bless my mom, I thought July 4th, she turns 90, but she always says this, follow the money, follow the money, what is the cause, the true cause behind this pandemic, what does it do for big tech, it? what does it do to the globalists, those elitist oligarchs?
2: What does it do for Big Pharma? And it's
1: going
2: to benefit them. Well, I, I think a booster shot, and basically it's the same shot you got the first time. It's just repeat business, you know. It's more money they can make off of you. And I think they probably got a third and a fourth booster shot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, who's involved with this? Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Ted Turner. The World Health Organization, Johnson & Johnson, Merck. Now, catch this one. Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention. I'm going to say that again very slowly. The Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention. The Chinese Communist Party. The very, the very people that unleashed the Wuhan virus on us the ones that are responsible for the altering of that virus to create the COVID-19, the ones that unleashed this on the world to control us, and then worked with big pharma to create these vaccines with nanobots in it. Yes, there are nanobots in there. (laughs) And they're finding that the mRNA, which we were told, will remain around the site of the injection, will not flow through the rest of the body, they finding that's absolutely false. And now, years after, people are coming down with neurological problems. They're also coming around with blood clots, heart conditions, where they never would have been before. So folks, if they come out with this monkeypox pandemic, head for the hills. Get away as far as you possibly can. Now, on this NTI Munich Security Conference about the monkeypox, here's some of the people that uh, participated in it. Now, this name you'll remember. She's appeared on several different uh, programs, uh, news programs, as well as testifying before Congress. Dr. Beth Cameron. She's the Senior Director for the Office of Global Health and Security Biodefense the U.S. National, National Security Council. Um, here's another one from Johnson & Johnson. Dr. Roxandra, I am not even, uh, Draga Akali, but this is from Johnson & Johnson. Dr. Chris Elias from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Sir Jeremy Farrar from the Wellcome Trust. Uh, here we go from uh, Twist Biosciences, Dr. Emily Laproust. Uh, we have from the Undersecretary General and the High Representative for Disarmament Affairs, drum roll please, United Nations Office for Disarmament Affairs, Ms. Uzumi Nakamitsu. This is the UN. All right. Now here's another big one. Dr. George Jail, he is the Director General for the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention That's the Chinese Communist Party. All right, um, you've got uh, Dr. Margaret, You, you hear of her on the news or testifying before Congress as Peggy Hamburg. She is the Interim Vice President of the Global Biological Policy and Programs Nuclear Threat Initiative. She's the former commissioner of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Dr. Michael Ryan, the WHO Health Emergencies Program Executive Director. Dr. Petra Wickland, the head of corporate affairs of Merck Pharmaceuticals. And we can go on and on and on about this. I mean, her book exposes a lot. What her book exposes also tells us that this is the next step, the monkeypox. So, folks, I'm telling you, I actually did have nightmares when I was reading the book, and I'm putting her information aside so we can bring her back again and talk more about this because uh, I don't want to lose this one. Uh, I mean, uh, the Epic Times has been doing a series of articles about the COVID vaccines and neurodegenerative diseases that are showing up. And Joseph Mercola has been doing a series of articles on that, folks. And you're going to have to really, truly start to read this. Uh, I've been talking about the problems with the mRNA technology. The um, vaccine that you've been taking has a spike protein in it that is neurotoxic. And even without the virus, it is naturally found in the SARS virus, it's also produced in your body when you receive the COVID shot, and it has been doing damage to cause inflammation and damage to your vascular system, even independent of a virus. It's a neurotoxic thing. I mean, start reading some of this stuff over at uh, the Epic Times, and it'll really, really uh, open your eyes, because there is evidence that the shots may even affect your brain, causing Parkinson's disease. A lot of people have a, a a jump in the number of Parkinson's uh, syndromes because they took the shot. You know, it, it, this is scary out here, folks. This is really, really scary. However, there is hope because he also writes, and they've done a couple of articles on this one, simple methods to detox from the shots. Now, my sister went and got the shot after she had the virus. I printed the art article out and gave it to her and it gives you ideas on different things that could be done to detox yourself if you did get the vaccine so go into the epic times and key in detox from the vaccination shots and there's certain organic whole food diets that you go on and avoid certain other things and chemicals in food uh focus on eating a nutrition uh dense diet that concentrates on sulfur-rich food like onions, garlic, uh, uh vegetables, as well as organic eggs and grass-fed beef and seafood, and plenty of colorful fruits and vegetables. So uh, check out the article in there. Uh, they're also talking about sun exposure. Definitely get yourself out in the sun uh, so that your body will naturally produce uh, vitamin D and sulfate. And there's a bunch of international doctors and holistic pro- pro- practitioners, who have been uh, helping people recover from COVID-19 and post-injection illnesses. So there are things out there that you can um, do to help fight this. So, Curtis, no luck, huh? No luck. Well, we'll try again in a few minutes, uh, see if we can get him to come back on. (laughs) We're back in 1,000 today, aren't we? And I'm putting Naomi (laughs) aside to remember to uh, get her back on.
2: You head um, back on, yeah yeah I always, yeah, I always
1: wonder
2: oh, I always wonder what was motivating Bill Gates, and I would have to say it's just the fact that he has a lot of power, money, and influence, and these guys, especially this guy, he's a narcissist, so he thinks he knows better than the rest of us. And knows what's best for us, and that's all I can really come up with as far as the motivation for him to be even doing something like this, getting involved with vaccines and things like that. Um, this is not the first time his name has come up in this area. Him and Fauci had some things going on in Africa with um, some of the children over there. They didn't fare too well with these vaccines that they were given. And um, like most things, our, our press here in the United States don't seem to be interested in vetting some of these stories because this should have been put out, that the, the things that they did in other countries that failed and it cost kids their lives. And then some adults, you know, when they were running this, this, this um, COVID thing. I mean, I've been telling people for over a year, that this, this vaccine has the potential to change your RNA. But they didn't listen. They were so afraid, and they trusted government. Like I said, I stopped trusting, trusting government with the, the the three assassinations in the 60s and Watergate. So I don't know.
1: Well, you know, uh, um, Joe Mercola had an article uh, back on May 16, and it's titled uh, Researcher. We made a big mistake on COVID-19 vaccine. So some of these researchers are starting to come out and start to tell the truth. And this is, this is a brief highlight. A Canadian immunologist and vaccine researcher, Brian Brindle, PhD, has granted access to Pfizer's biodistribution dis- uh, study from the Japanese regulatory agency. The research demonstrates a huge problem with all COVID-19 vaccines. It goes on, this is another bullet point. The assumption that vaccine developers have been working with is that the mRNA in the vaccine would primarily remain in and around the vaccination site. Pfizer's data, however, show that the mRNA and subsequent spike protein are widely distributed in the body within hours. So you notice a lot of people that uh, have a reaction to the vaccine have it very shortly after, very shortly after, especially young children, because their bodies are so tiny. Uh, and they are not even sure exactly what the proper dosage is for a child. Yeah, They're just basically guessing. Now he goes on, another point is, this is a serious problem as the spike protein is a toxin shown to cause cardiovascular and neurological damage. It also has reproductive toxicity, and Pfizer's biodistribution data show it accumulates in a woman's ovaries. It's passed on to the children. Once in your blood circulation, the spike protein binds to platelet receptors and the cells that line your blood vessels. When that happens, it can cause platelets to clump together, resulting in blood clots, and or cause abnormal bleeding. Bullet point. Pfizer documents submitted to the European Medicines Agency also show the company failed to follow industry standard quality management practices during preclinical toxology studies and that key studies did not meet good laboratory practice standards.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. But, you so, know,
2: there's some people I talk to about these, these matters that taking a shot. And their response to me is, uh, well, I took the shot and I don't know nobody that was impacted by it. And I said, well, you know, some of this stuff is like a time capsule. <laughs> For some people, they may be impacted immediately, some a few months later, some a year or two later down the road. So you have to look at it that way. It's not like everybody's going to just start dropping, you know, dropping off. These things are time capsule-like.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, there's a lot of just basic over-the-counter stuff that you can do normally, Uh, Increase your vitamin C intake. I I get those little uh, vitamin C immune uh, supplements that come in a powder form. You mix it with the juice, and I take it every morning. Uh, Increase your magnesium. Increase your zinc. uh, And there's also a supplement that helps your body absorb zinc because it's very hard for your body to absorb zinc. But it's important for your cell replication, a healthy cell replication, for the zinc to be absorbed into your cell. Increase your vitamin D, especially if you don't get enough sunshine. Uh, Be outdoors more often. Fresh air and sunshine are one of the greatest things to help heal. Make sure you take a multivitamin. Make sure you eat a well-rounded meal. Just do certain simple things to help boost your immune system. And you can fight off just about anything. I mean, and you know, if you do get I've, get any COVID, it would probably be very mild, and you think it was nothing more than just a common cold, and you brush it off, and then you're fine for the rest of your life. But you I've take your shots.
2: This, I've stressed this with a lot of people, you know. Um, as you just said, you know, take certain vitamins, like vitamin D3, and um, get plenty of rest, and and just let your natural immune system work. You know, I told them, now isn't it odd that they always talk about external things like wear the mask, wash your hands, social distance, but they don't tell you to boost your immune system. They never did because they don't really want you to get well. You know, if people were doing that, then nobody would come down with COVID probably. I mean, when they did turn to an internal thing, it was the vaccination. And that's something that they're pushing, but they wouldn't listen. Most of the people, you know, it's like the fact that I decided not to take the vaccine. And um, I'm around people all the time. I do speaking engagement book signings. And there's been times later after a big gathering, I hear that a person had um, discovered that they had COVID, but I never was impacted and I'm shaking hands and everything of course I use common sense. I wash my hands and, and anybody knows that if somebody's coughing or just looks sick or ill, you stay away from them, you know? But, um, the fact that I was able to, um, get through these two years without any impact whatsoever, not even a sniffle didn't mean anything to these folks. You know, it's like, well, you, you know, you might as well be playing Russian roulette with your life, but, um, To me, if if I could learn why something's not impacting a person, but it's it's impacting a lot of other people, I want to know what that person's doing that, you know, what's going around is not impacting him. But people don't think that way no more. We don't have critical thinkers. So they they fall back to fear and the trust of government.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's very simple things you can do. And it used to be, you know, did you wash your hands? Did you wash behind your ears? And people get lazy. I mean, hand sanitizer is one thing, but washing your hands with soap and water is far better, a lot better. I mean, after you use that hand sanitizer after a while, your skin starts to get cracked. And once you get cracks in your skin, you now expose yourself to whatever germs are out there that you may pick up and end up with an infected cut
2: or something like that.
1: Wash your hands. Very simple.
2: I could not even win people over with the numbers game. You know, this this thing impacted less than 1% of the American people. And we have 347 million people here, maybe more for the uncounted illegals that are here. Less than 1%. And you would have swore that, you know, every, every corner people were dying from COVID. Now, a million is a lot, you know. But when you put it all in perspective, a million is still far less than 1% um, than the 340 million in this country. And so it doesn't require us to, you know, go into crisis mode. You know, this could have been easily managed. And a lot of these deaths were not even COVID. They were attributed to COVID. And then we had New York, Cuomo, putting people in nursing homes and sister living places that were sick, send them back, and they end up passing it on to other people. So, you know, like I said, not even a numbers game made any difference to some people. 600,000 deaths is a lot, but, you know, but what can I say? I try to tell them just as many people die from pneumonia and um, and some of the other diseases out there. But it didn't mean anything because the focus wasn't on those. COVID, that's where the spotlight was shined on. So that's what they feel. Right, look,
1: but here we are. You, you've got the honest American citizen. The, the legal American resident, the legal alien resident on full lockdown, under vaccine and mask mandates, and yet we have a border that is wide open. No one is being uh, tested. And they're, they're, they're put on buses and planes and shoved all over the United States, and we're finding instances of tuberculosis, leprosy. Uh, smallpox, uh, measles, many things that have been eradicated a long time ago here in the United States are now on the rise. And has anyone even wondered if any of the spike of COVID is coming from where these immigrants are being dropped? They're being dropped on a on a corner or at a diner, and they're, they're given a little bit of paper saying, "Well, appear in court. This is your like they're going to really show up." You know, we have a government that is aiding and abetting human trafficking, drug trafficking, and all other illegal activities coming across this border. These cartels, working in concert with um, Hamas, Hezbollah, and Communist China, are making money hand over fist in the trafficking of drugs, contraband, and humans. And, and 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 no one's incensed. oh we say, Black lives matter, we need reparations for slavery that occurred well over a hundred years ago, but we've got human slavery going on right now crossing our southern border, and you're not concerned
2: now there's a there's something else that's going on that I've picked up on um you know we have a lot of young military age um illegals coming into this country yeah we've got illegals
1: coming from over a hundred different countries it's no longer for Central and and Mexico Central America and Mexico we have them from over a hundred different countries and I mentioned as you just said those young men that are young military aged individuals and they're in the desert wearing camouflage this is no mistake this is all pre-panned and there's going now, to be another tax within the United States, and it's because this administration let the terrorists in.
2: Now, I'm looking at this from another another perspective, though. Now, they're starting to this drumbeat that we don't have enough um, recruits to, to to come into the military now, and even the United States Navy is now offering any new recruit that have come in now twenty five thousand dollars. Now think about this. You got all these young people coming in here from other countries illegally. So What's a better what 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 is more a better way for them to become a citizen than to, to join the military, get twenty five thousand and um and this this administration, after a couple of years, grant them citizenship
1: they tried that under President Obama. And how did it work out? Not too good, because the media wasn't giving the whole story. Uh, Part of it was actually, believe it or not, uh, portrayed on an NCIS episode, where these illegal aliens were promised citizenship if they joined the military and they served and they went and became a U.S. citizen, which they did. However, There were members of gangs. So what was happening? They're in the military. They're around military-grade weapons. And what do you think started disappearing, Curtis? Military weapons. Military armaments suddenly disappeared and and reappeared on. on the black market. Some of it even appearing on the black market in Africa and the Middle East. Our weapons, our military-grade weapons be- were being taken by cartel members that became members of our military, became sworn American citizens, makes them good. No, the freaking members of a cartel, they're our enemy. We should be treating the cartel like a, t- a terrorist organization, period. Period, and well, end of report.
2: Trust me. That is not going to stop them from allowing these folks to come in. And, and with that $25,000 little um, sign-up bonus, that's even going to encourage them more because they're putting out that the Americans, we don't have enough um, young men and women that are fit, you know, because we have allowed ourselves to become obese and, and unhealthy and everything. So there's a shortage of um, people who could go through boot camp now, and that's that's sad. So I think that's the excuse they're going to use to, to bring these folks in. Yeah, remember, they do want to tear this country down. What better way than to mm-hmm. um, disrupt our military forces and get these guns to other countries? I mean, think about what we just did in Afghanistan when we left behind $90 million, I think it was, worth of weapons.
1: Well, in just a matter of a couple of days, um, Title 42 is going to end in just a few days. Now, on Front Page Magazine, my friend Mike Cutler wrote a nice editorial uh, just yesterday. And uh, former acting ICE director Tom Holman uh, warned that Biden administration's move to end the use of Title 42 public health order to expel migrants at the border will create chaos all across the border. They're already lined up, waiting to surge across. Waiting to surge across. Now, we also know in the 1990s, as well as the September 11 hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States. As you mentioned and I mentioned, we've got young men, military-aged young men, coming from 100 different countries, coming across that border many of them organized wearing military grade uniforms, camouflage uniforms. And some of them are actually legally getting married, gaining legal citizenship or legal status here, attempting, uh, achieving temporary working status or applying for asylum by marrying an American citizen. So, you know, the massive fraud, the massive scam, the massive criminal activity that is coming across and will now surge in a matter of just a few days is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. But what are we talking about in the news today? You don't hear anything about this, do you?
2: There's a lot you're not going to (laughs) hear because Joe has it under control. (laughs) And uh, in
1: recent years, he writes, Hezbollah, Latin American networks have also. Now, there's that triangle in South America where it's basically a no man's land. Hezbollah controls it with the drug cartels. You try to travel through that, you ain't going to make it out of there in that triangle in South America. Now, um, they've cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Gee, corruption in Mexico, Central America, Latin America, South America. Nah, we don't see that. Uh, Includes laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. And these proceeds fund the activities of Hezbollah arms procurement. It helps them get armaments to fight us and Israel. Uh, it's hold on Lebanon's political system and keep its hold in overseas. It's in, to keep Shia communities loyal to its cause. We're in for another attack. It's, it's coming, folks. It is coming, and it's going to outdo 9/11. And this is this is really, really scary, Curtis, what is going on right here. So, you the Biden yeah. administration is doing that. Now, you add on this one, Judicial Watch broke this, and I began talking about this last week during the show. There was a nonprofit that was hired by the Biden administration that received a huge no-bid government contract. Now, that's illegal. You can't no issue bid? a government contract no. that is no-bid. There must be a bid. It's required, but there was no bid, and they wasted $17 million on unused hotel rooms for illegal immigrants. This politically connected group, which had no experience providing services, was covered for the sole source of the federal contract, also failed to meet COVID-19 health protocols when the deal was signed. And the arrangement was executed by ICE immigration and customs enforcement. The Homeland Security Agency is responsible for housing migrant families in detention. This was not detention. This was in hotel rooms, courtesy of our tax dollars. You know oh man.
2: This guy he does group- things that that yes. are like unconstitutional. But you don't hear nobody from our side raising their voices about it. It's puzzling to me.
1: Well, the group is called Endeavors, formerly known as Family Endeavors. It's a Texas-based nonprofit. They claim to passionately serve vulnerable people in crisis through an innovative, personalized approach. Well, won a colossal $530 million contract just months after it was hired by the Biden administration. Uh, The official was Andrew Lorenz Strait as its senior director for migrant services and federal affairs. So he goes from the Biden administration to heading this group. And lo and behold, $17 million goes south on, on hotel rooms, unused hotel rooms for immigrants. Yeah, there's nothing to worry about here, folks. There's nothing to see here. Nothing to see at all. there? Nothing to see. Well, no. it looks like we've lost Tony Shaver one more time. Uh, if he ever does make it on, oh, oh boy, hopefully he will make it on one day. Um, no. I sent Chris I a message a saying that he's missing again.
2: Go ahead. So, are they are they going to have a recount in Pennsylvania for the Senate race? Have you heard anything? It looks
1: like it looks like it's possibly heading that way. It's like something like a little it's somewhere between a thousand a little over a thousand votes. However, there's this one county, Allegheny County, that has something like 10,000 votes mail-in ballots that have yet to be counted and uh it is not on the territory so that one one county allegheny county may turn the tide so we won't know until come monday what the results are on those counting the ballots we'll see what happens out of there but that's a heck of mm. a lot of mail-in ballots
2: yeah it is and, and it's it's being done on purpose you know Those um, ballots originally were for people who just couldn't make it in or, you know, because they were bedridden or overseas or something like that. But with them going um, for the general public with this stuff, and they did it purposely, it just jazzed up the system to to a point where we're going to have more and more of these um, elections where it's going to take, you know, anywhere from a couple of days to a couple of weeks to figure out who the winner is and it, well, and it wasn't like this 20 years ago matter of fact 30 years ago i think would just have one election day and everybody had to show up
1: well at this point uh, here in south carolina the recent uh, election integrity laws that passed and were signed into law uh has allowed us to extend early voting early in-person voting so where it used to be you would request an absentee ballot because you were working that day, blah, 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 they now said, you know, we're going to cut back on mail-in ballots. I mean, if you're bedridden or something like that, that's one thing. Um, but if you have the ability to get to the poll any time before the election date, now our primary is June 14th, early voting has already opened up. It is now open here in the state of South Carolina. So you've got almost a full month to get your butt to the polls and vote. And there's no excuse for you not to be able to make it because they extended the hours. So you can't say, well, I work 9 to 5 and I can't get there in time. There is no excuse to not go directly and do your vote in person unless you're someone that is bedridden. So they've actually started to close those loopholes or if you're overseas, serving overseas.
2: Now in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis um, got a ordinance passed where these drop boxes, they either have to be in inside or if they're outside, they have to be manned by one person, like security or something. Mm -hmm. Um, oversee you know what's being dropped in these things
1: well so I have a funny feeling they eliminated drop drop boxes here I, I do believe they eliminated the drop boxes they're also eliminating, eliminating ballot harvesting now if you're a family member and your family member is ill bedridden you can take it for that family member and turn it in yes uh, that would be an absentee ballot Uh, But it has to be witnessed, it has to be signed and notarized, and that it is the actual person who filled out that ballot, and you are the one who is then presenting it to the Board of Elections, and it must go directly to the Board of Election officials. So all this is now, they're starting to cut through different areas in which fraud is possible, which is a good thing. Which is a very good thing. It requires two validating signatures to say that yes, this is the person who's voted, and yes, this is the person who's turning the ballot in. So you know there are there are innovations being done, uh, state by state, and we'll see what happens uh, with this twenty twenty two election, uh, especially this primary season coming in, because I believe the last primary I think is in August. Uh, and so we'll we'll see how it goes. We've got the next couple of months, there'll be a little bit of nail-biting, but we'll see what happens. And um, as I was saying, we had the uh, the uh, candidate forum here yesterday in Beaufort County for District 1. And Beaufort County basically comprises the vast majority of uh, District 1. And so what happens here affects the rest of, of that seat. And we had the greatest voice at this point. And who gets that seat? And it doesn't look like Nancy Mace is putting on a really good show. So we'll see what happens. And the other person that didn't show up was that sheriff that I confronted at my tea party meeting. All right. The incumbent uh, showed up, and people were thrilled with what he had to say. But... Uh, His challenger was an absolute no-show. Now, every time there was a chance for them to go to -to head-to-head, he would not show up. And I got to say that uh, (laughs) Andy's a sly little person uh, because there's one of his supporters is a local attorney. He's got a huge sign uh, promoting this other guy, JoJo. And uh, I saw him in the the, the, uh, country club over the weekend, last weekend. And I had mentioned that uh, on Friday, his aide had called and canceled the peering. Meanwhile, he had been confirmed two months prior. And the guy turned around and started asking me my opinion about the candidate, and I let loose. And I didn't say some very polite things. And uh, I guess I put a little burr under the saddle so that when it came to uh, my meeting on Monday, he did show up. And... uh, I have – there is a there is a uh, video up on the Beaufort Tea Party Facebook page, so if anyone wants to follow the link, uh, I think it's on uh, my Southern Sense uh, show page. There may be a link to the Beaufort Tea Party there. Uh, but if you go to our Facebook page, I put the video up, and I said, you know, I said, I'm shooting out the first question. I said, as the leader of this group, I take that priority, and I let it fly. And uh, I actually brought my memo book that covered December 29th of 1987 when I made that arrest in front of the building that Frank Serpico was shot in, in Brooklyn. And I threw it down on the table. And I said, I know what it means to rely on the truth. And the stories I went after him, I said, you know, were you fired for lying? And uh, he did it hum- and a comment hum- on a hummina, hummina, <laughs> So... When I got to the uh, candidate Forum last night, I had set up my Beaufort Tea Party
0: uh,
1: table, put my flyers and stuff out there, had a little poster hanging out. And about at, at first, it was like two or three people came up to me and they go, Annie, did you hear? Nancy Mays canceled last minute. You know why? And I fell for this the first couple of times. And they go, you know why she canceled? She heard you were going to be here. I kind of like cracked up. But when the seventh person came up to me, I said, all right, I get the punchline.
0: <laughs> I get wow. the
1: punchline. back wow. but She knew I was going to be sitting there. <laughs> so you're the queen of oh, the cancel culture
2: funny. now. You're the queen of the cancel culture now.
1: <laughs> oh. oh, man. And right now we're waiting for uh, Kevin McGarry to uh, call in. And we're, we're we're really batting a thousand today, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I I know I, I showered. I used my deodorant today. There's, there's, there's no reason for this, you know. I called to make sure everyone was confirmed. And matter of fact, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer's agent had texted me, uh, just or sent me an email just prior to the show, and uh, said, oh, "Yeah, you know he's definitely he's definitely going to be calling in." And uh, we've got (laughs) no
2: Tony. Is is he in a different time zone?
1: He knows Eastern Standard Time, New York Time.
0: Okay.
1: He knows. Yeah. So I I don't know. So now we got to find out from Jackie where her guy is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is is, folks. This
1: is this is uh this is live radio. You just never know what is going to happen here.
0: All
2: right. Now uh, when go, I think about when I think about Trump and all these people he's endorsing, the guy is a a great strategist, you know. He is like playing a chess game. He wants to get people in position that he knows that he can count on if he should make another run because I have no doubt he is going to really clean up house, clean up the swamp. And he's got the, he has got to have people in there he knows that's going to um, support him. And I just think it's just great what he's doing, you know. I don't agree with all his endorsements, but I know what he's trying to do. And he's trying to get people in there he can count on.
0: And that's yeah. what we need. For a, for
1: a while it looked like uh, Kathy Barnett was going to surge, and uh, she kind of like fizzled to the wayside. Um, another disappointment
2: was Madison uh, Hawthorne, who did not make it. Uh, but well, then she again, kind like,
1: stepped
2: on She did yeah. come under attack, and mm-hmm. uh, there were some things she said that um, um, you had to wonder about in the past. But then again, Dr. Oz did made similar statements. Now, I heard Sean Hannity complaining that nobody vetted her. But he's had her on his show a couple of times. Why didn't he vet her? He's got the resources.
1: True. It's not like it's little old us, you and me, you know, that just sit here and chief cook and bottle washer. You know, Hannity's got a whole entire staff. I mean, and- every
2: time he said that, I wanted to, to, to yell, why didn't you vet her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's up there blaming everybody yeah.
0: else.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, it, it's a good question. It's a very, very good question. And uh, and um, as I'm repeating to those that are here in the uh, Blog Talk Radio uh, chat room, uh, take a take a little walk over to uh, my webpage, page, uh, which is Southern, the name of the show Southern Sense with the dash in the middle, and uh, check it out because I think just uh, just move this over, uh, and there is someone in there. And just say, hi, Larry. There is, there is someone in there. So someone is in the chat room. Just saying, hi, Larry, over there. So um, it is open, and you can watch the video over there and also listen to the show uh, instead of staying here on Blog Talk Radio. Because if, if I got this up and working on my webpage at this point. I think we're going to start Curtis to migrate over there and uh, – find other ways in which to bring guests directly in and do the video interviews. That's going to be exciting. What do you think?
2: Well, I'm all for it, Um, especially to um, get into a better technical situation so we won't have all these these issues that, you know, prop up every every other week, sometimes every week, you know, technicalities. But, um, yeah, I'm all for that.
1: Yeah, so like I said, the chat is definitely up and running. There is someone already in there, and uh, I think at this point we can start trying to integrate because using this one program I am, I can put the the music in there, I can put the videos in there uh, instead of having to rely on a second computer to feed through the mixer board. Everything will come through just one place, one-stop shop. That's going to be exciting, I think.
0: Yeah
2: yeah i'm looking forward to it um any any new word on whether the supreme court justices are finally being protected by uh, department of justice or still up in the air i haven't heard one way or the other
1: i haven't heard much i know that congress was attempting to pass some legislation to protect them Uh, There is going to be a massive nationwide disruption over this abortion, Roe v. Wade, and this leak from SCOTUS on the 26th of this month. So folks be on the lookout in a lot of the major cities, there's going to be a major disruption. Uh, Whether or not they're going to stop it, I don't know, but there will be a disruption.
2: And you know what side that's coming from. It's not our side. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. And now it is. Um, it's called RevCom, which is actually the revolutionary movement of the Communist Party here in the United States. They're the ones behind it. And I had an article pulled up, let me see if I thought it in this stack, um, that they actually were putting out dates and times in which for people to congregate and actually to do massive uh, walkout, you know, to stop uh, work and everything else. So just bear with me, see if I can see if I can if I do have the article in this stack. And
2: uh Well I bet that what they no, do would be considered an insurrection.
5: Mm.
2: Would this well, be our guess you have
5: a caller, this
1: could possibly be our guess. Let me bring this caller up in the line. Come on, here we go, computer. Come on. Wake up. All right, here we go. Every code 510, you're here live on Southern Sense. I'm your hostess, Annie, the radio chick with my, Curtis, my co-host, teeth in backwards, co-host Curtis C.S. Bennett. To whom am I speaking?
5: This is Kevin McGarry.
1: Ah, you woke up. I'm sorry I woke you from your nap. How are you today?
5: <laughs> <laughs> good, good. No, I'm, oh. excuse me, I'm doing great. How are you guys?
1: All I'm right. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Hey, listen, um, I was getting a kick. Oh, we just lost our guest.
0: He dropped out.
1: He just dropped off the line. Oh, my goodness. All right, folks, See, that's what library, I'm talking you about. Just can't, you just can't make this up. <laughs> uh,
0: all right. Now,
1: Larry, in, here we go. Larry in our my chat room here on Southern Sense just posted that. Um, Garland announced yesterday that all justices will be protected. Let's bring back uh, Kevin McGarry. Kevin, I mean, you're batting a 1,000, honey. You're just batting
5: 1,000. I tell you what, I don't know what's going on. We got the gremlins after us today. Maybe it's because I'm so yeah. plain-spoken and flat-footed. Uh, you know, people don't want us to connect.
1: Well, you That's know true. what? You're just too darn handsome. They just don't want to see your face up there on my video.
5: <laughs> ah. ah. So should I be on Uh, video right now? Is that part of it?
1: Well, actually, I've got a still picture of you. Uh, We are working on getting the video up and running uh, because I did on this one. uh, I've got now my home page now carries the video with a separate chat room. It's no longer going through this phone number that you would have to do. Hopefully in the next month or so, I will have everything through the one program. You can Skype in or something, and we can see your lovely face live. I'm setting that all up.
5: Excellent, yes. excellent, Well, I'll look forward to coming on later too. Then.
1: All right. Well, you definitely know you're coming back. This is not the first time you've been here, so you're 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 not a newbie. But um, the news is finally breaking about the scandal over BLM Patrice Colors and her foundation. But oh, she's going me. on yeah. the
0: attack.
1: Uh oh. Sorry. Hey, honey, I'll call you back later. I'll pick up the groceries on the way home. <laughs>
5: yeah, right, right. Right. So, uh, yeah, so Patrice Colers, yes, I apologize for that uh interruption. Uh, excuse me. She okay. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Sorry. But uh she's gone on the attack saying it's a racist attack against her uh because she swiped all this money and bought all these mansions, but it's not her fault. It's just a racist attack against her. You've got to be kidding me! And we just lost Kevin again. <laughs> you can't make this up. <laughs> you can't.
2: We have to. We have to ask him if he's in a, a moving vehicle or something. He, he's probably dropping out because of something like that. Cell mm, in between cell hours yeah. or something. Oh man! But uh, yeah,
1: this here we go try it one more time let's click
3: on, on and bring
5: his unmute his mic and kevin three times the charm. i have to believe that the third time is the charm i have to believe that i'm an optimist <laughs> <laughs> are you in a car uh, you know this is crazy are you in a car moving no no i'm uh i'm stationary and uh uh, I know this, This, you know, phones ringing, all this stuff normally doesn't happen. But uh, anyway, so let's continue. Yeah, we were talking about Patrice Kohlers.
1: Yeah, and, and suddenly because everything's being exposed, the fact she gave her brother 840000 uh her director uh, $2.1 her baby daddy uh, got 970000 She has now, what is it, up to four houses? Um but it's a racial attack against her uh, because she's misusing the funds that people gave her to support the Black Lives Matter movement. But it's only her Black Lives Matters, not everyone else's.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is what's really, really troubling about this. So these people had over $100 million in a very short period of time, right? Uh, there was so much goodwill that could have spread with that. Now, I know that they said their primary – Edict when they started was just to stand against uh, police brutality, that being white police against blacks. But uh, if you're going to have hundreds of millions or billions of dollars and you're going to take that just that one single stance, uh, it doesn't require hundreds of billions of dollars. So these these buffoonish corporations that and, and, and sport teams that put Black Lives Matter all over the place. Uh, you know, they're they're complicit with this fraud. Um, uh, essentially what these people did is they took a stand and then they proceeded to do a shakedown on corporations and any of those uh, organizations that wouldn't write. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there were threats of, hey, we're going to have some folks uh, lined up outside your doors tomorrow if you don't write us a nice sized check. But but uh, so this this is the first part of the fraud. The second part of it is is this whole thing with uh, basically you know, providing a meal ticket, if you will, for friends and families and all those that are well-connected. Um, at a time when, within the Black community, we had literal babies being slaughtered in the streets of Chicago, Memphis, Detroit, New York. Uh, and those families would, I'm certainly, would have loved to have received a uh, some kind of a, a grant, uh, you know, because their kids have been uh, slaughtered via stray bullets and all of the uh, criminality going on in these areas. Uh, they would have loved to have gotten some kind of support uh, from Black Lives Matter saying, hey, we, we are concerned about you. We understand that this happened and it's a travesty and and uh, we want to be, uh, you know, good stewards and help in some way. Uh, we also had a record number of, of black uh, heads of households. That were um, that were out of couldn't go to work because they didn't have childcare. So there's there's instances like that where Black Lives Matter with all of that money could have put up these you know temporary childcare centers or other ways to subsidize childcare so the parents could continue to work. So uh, you know it, there's any number of, of broad uh, initiatives that could have been instituted with so much money. And yet, you know, we, we have, you know, multiple mansions, including, uh, you know, one in Canada and probably mansions in other places as well uh, that really went to uh, into the pockets of the individuals at the top of Black Lives Matter. It's horrible what we're seeing.
1: You know, they could have turned around and said, listen, you know, you're in a poor Chicago neighborhood. You just lost your child or your husband or your brother or whatever through black-on-black violence. Or, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a retired cop. I've worked alongside black, Hispanic, whatever, and all we saw was blue is blue. All we saw was the person that needed help, but... There are a few that are bad, yes, they're just a precious few. but they can turn around and say, "Listen, let us help you with any funeral services, uh, any sort of a scholarship fund you want to set up in their name or something like that. They could have done so much goodwill, as you said with that. They could have also gone yep. after Planned Parenthood that is slaughtering black babies by the millions exactly. and say, "Why not? Exactly. Why are you causing a genocide?" Why don't we use this money to help shut you down and give the care exactly. that are, these women need?
5: Exactly, exactly. And uh, so so they could have done that. The reality is, is they didn't. And now we're seeing that our uh, federal agencies, they seem to be complicit in this in the sense that uh, Patrice Kohler a few weeks ago says, look, a 990, I don't even know what that is. Um, you know it 's triggering and all this other stuff, but here 's the thing uh they 've been around since Trayvon martin in twenty fourteen so why wouldn't they have had file needed to file a nine ninety uh in between the time we're in twenty twenty two right now and she 's just now filed, finding out about filing a nine ninety this this is just like this doesn't make sense can any nonprofit be around for seven years? Without filing a 990? Now, I don't, I don't know the logic behind that, but it seems to me that people knew this organization was out there. It was collecting funds because they collected a lot for Trayvon Martin and, and a lot of the other things that have happened in between. And yet, nothing, we, you know, there's no paper trail. There's no real accountability for the funds that they have collected over the years. And then, of course, it grossly accelerated in 2020. But um, so it seems to me that there's some level of complicity with with uh, fraud in this, perhaps with our federal government. I, I'm just raising the question, because I don't see how you can get away with that.
1: No, I don't either. You know, as you said, she's been around for for such a long time, and with all the money that They were raking in. They could not get a tax accountant or someone that knows how to run a nonprofit to make these filings, saying, all right, fine, this is required. Uh, Here's a question. You know what I should have done? I should have run it through Charity Navigator and just see what the heck it says about BLM. But, you know, I I just thought of that just now. Uh, But, you know, out of all the money she took in, that uh, filing that she did, She reimbursed uh, Black Lives Matter a mere $73,000 for a charter fight, and she paid the foundation a mere $390 for the private use of its $6 million Los Angeles mansion. Does that not ring bells?
0: Is is there something wrong here?
5: yeah I mean, and this is why so many states have have uh, have filed that their uh, their charter within their state their their fundraising ability and their operational ability within these certain states have been revoked for the time being until they can straighten this out. I mean, we should ask uh, demand <clears throat> excuse me demand accountability for uh, for this nonprofit and their activities uh, because because now that we're seeing these sort of financial reports coming out, uh, these things just don't make sense. Uh, not only they're you know tremendously late by multiple years, but um, now that we dig into the details, how do you, how do you how do you reconcile uh, the use of funds in this way? And then comes to find out that they were a front group for Axe Blue and and uh, Tides Foundation and all these others as well. I mean, so over sixty some odd million dollars apparently. Uh, I was just reading today had been given to these other, you know, sort of C4, if you will, or political groups uh, that were doing the work of the Democrat Party. Now, if you're a nonprofit, uh, you know, a C3, a 501C3, um, there's strict prohibitions against participating or leveraging uh, for political benefit. Uh, so you would you would be precluded from giving to other more political entities who would then be giving to a particular party. So um, all of this, I think, needs to be looked at closely and sincerely. Um, You know, I mean, I, I, you know, it's just right now, it just seems like a a fraud operation that's just gone off the rails.
1: Well, not only that, you tie it in with CRT, critical race theory, and it, poses a very, very um, dangerous agenda for the future of America and the American families, much less the attack on faith, you know, this white guilt. Uh, Excuse me, um, Kevin, does God make any mistakes? Uh, Simply because I was born to the parents I was born, I don't think he made a mistake. The mistake is what I choose to do with my life, where I will make a mistake if I choose the wrong path then that's my decision yes. then yet yeah, you give me the guilt but don't blame me simply because i was born who i was born
5: yeah exactly so here's the thing about critical race theory uh and i hope all your listeners understand this um uh, critical race theory is uh designed to inculcate hate against uh, a a people group that being white especially Uh, So just because you lack melanin, then you're now you're to be isolated, condemned roundly, um, and you are to be loathed and uh, you are to be hated. Uh, You're irreconcilable. You're cursed. And these are the messages. Now, uh, you know, the school boards are absolutely correct. And some people may may take offense to this, but I've done the research and, and, you know, the school boards are absolutely correct when they say they do not teach. Critical race theory. Critical race theory is an academic subject, primarily confined to the to the collegiate level uh, professors and, and students who would study at that level. It is not officially taught in that way. Now, but it is the sentiments of it are weaved in, through, and to the curriculum, and this is why Ron DeSantis did such a a yeoman's job, a wonderful job at taking any curriculum that would sort of
3: infuse
5: the sentiments of critical race theory in their uh, textbooks, in whether it be math, whether it be science, whatever. And so that that's the distinction that we should be aware of. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is that they're teaching children, our children, how to hate. Now, uh, you know, when, when Hitler used to do that, we used to, you know, loathe and disdain uh, Hitler and, and propagandists who would who would use children as fodder and would try to, you know, sully and poison their minds with hate? And now we're doing it. Uh, and so many, uh, especially academics and and propagandists and media and corporations, they're applauding critical race theory in the hate that it spews. The problem is, and I think you hit it—you hit the nail on the head—is what happens is what they envision is that when these children grow up, or as they grow up, they will be God resistant. And the reason why is because they will say, "Look, uh, I'm white. I was born cursed. I was born irredeemable. I was born, you know, hate, hateful uh, and 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 despised because of what me and my ancestors did because of our skin color uh, in the 1800s." And so, therefore, you can't tell me there's a God because God. A loving God, because God, if, if he did, does exist, uh, actually made me cursed, and he made a huge mistake. Why would he curse an entire race? All of these types of things come into play. And so, you know, our children are being used as guinea pigs, uh, and, 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 and they're being infused with curriculum and ideas and ideology that makes them God-resistant for the future. The, I hope I hope you I hope you understand this and hope you i hope this is making sense
1: oh no no it's absolutely it's absolutely perfect i mean you can't could not have even said it better because when I first heard of the critical race theory and I heard about some of these schools actually segregating the children into groups based upon the color of their skin the color of their hair, uh, whether or not they were a boy or girl or if the girl think you was a boy i mean some of the weirdest bizarre things. But I flash back to my mind thinking about when you see children in their natural state, and you can take them from any sort of race across the spectrum, when another little child sees another little child, it's like, oh, wow, it's another child. It's it's someone for me to play with, someone for me to get to know. And you'll see these kids run over to each other and hug them and share their toys and everything. And it is it is what God intended us to be, innocent like the child. Yes. Is it not what Jesus yes. said? did he not absolutely. say? And and this that, is what they're doing, they're stealing their innocence and youth and that is a crime. And should be treated like It one. is
5: absolutely child abuse and we at every Black Life Matters encourages for those parents who can, please Take your children out of the public schools. Now, I know I know that some people say, look, that's, I can't do that, or I belong to a school district. Okay, whatever. Here's the thing. Uh, all public education right now is teaching, in, in some regard, some form of critical race theory, all public schools. Uh, in some regard, they're teaching this, this advanced sex education curriculum. Uh, They're teaching uh, ideas that will confuse your children ultimately and have them very grossly perverted uh, and and have them act in the most vile ways. I don't know if any of you or any of your listeners have seen the sex education curriculum, but it is absolutely the most disgusting, vile, grotesque stuff you could ever imagine. Even as adults, we can't imagine this stuff. I mean, it's just. It's horrendous. And so um, so I encourage everybody, look, take, if, you, if it at all possible, take your children out of school. If, not, if that's not possible, please investigate homeschool networks, learning pods, whatever you have in your community, and try and, and or try to start one on your own. There's a number of organizations. Uh, there's a public school exit. There's uh, no left turn in education. There's, there's all kinds of great uh, organizations now that will help you start uh, learning communities within your community. But uh, this is a dire, dire need. Our children are – this is literal child abuse that they're enduring every day in these public school systems. It doesn't matter how great you think your public school system is. I get it. You have great teachers you've loved there. You went there and all that. This is not about that. This is about your children right now today and what they're being taught. And if they're being abused every day when they go into that school because they have to have a mask on, that's number one abuse. Then number two, they're being taught critical race theory. They're being taught how to hate. That's number two abuse. And then number three, they're being taught how to be per- perverts. I mean, come on, how much abuse do we want our children to have to endure? I mean, come on, let's do let's do better,
1: Kevin.
5: Yeah, it's, you know, go ahead, Curtis. I used to I used to
2: wonder why the left was always obsessed with race and after after thinking about it over the years, you know, it's 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 telling that they have learned to master how to use race as as well as class envy and this victimization thing they have going on. And and they like I said, they're masters at it. And sadly, um our folks haven't done anything to counter what's being put out by the left. And so I think that is why, um, over the decades, the left have been able to get into the, the schools and indoctrinate our children. We can't put real history in there. You know, that right away yeah. they will say it's political. If we start talking about the real history of the Democrat Party and their ties right. to slavery and things, oh, that's political. But we, we have to right. find a way to um, to counter this, and I just was wondering what your thoughts were on that.
5: Excellent. Thank you for that. That's an excellent tee-up for my new book that will be coming out, I'm hopeful, by the end of June. And it's actually dealing with the entire wokeism movement. But – but, and so it does challenge wokeism and wokesters about who they are and where they have come from. But it does it in a way that reveals and uncovers and fully exposes – the roots of white supremacy and racism in america without being political by the way so uh i'll give you a, i'll give you a teaser fundamentally all of this emanates from one person so one person literally created the distinction of white supremacy and racism in its modern day context now when i told my wife this she thought, you're crazy. No way. I mean, it's just racism and any kind of supremacy has been around since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. And that is true. That is correct. But there was one person who actually literally had the voice of scientists, apologists, and uh, the well field in the 1800s. And he came out with a, a couple of documents, books, that clearly defined... Rice, uh, racism and white supremacy were noble, just, and prudential. That they were actually, uh, you know, fully scientifically justified. Do you know who that one individual is? Uh,
1: if it's who I think it is, I was going to say Bernard Shaw.
5: Nope.
2: I it, was it saying, early,
5: early, Yeah, go ahead.
2: I was going to say fraud.
5: <laughs> nope. Not not point. So here, here it is. I'll give you the short answer. And, and uh, when you get my book fully footnoted with every detestable thing that this guy did and all of his proteges, which Marx would be one of his potages, um, then you would understand what we're, what we're fighting here. So this individual was Charles Robert Darwin. The second you
1: said Charles, I knew you were going to say he would come up with Darwin.
5: Yeah, you're right about about that. Here's what he did. Here's what he said. It's a long, long story. You have to read the book. But here's what he said. Fundamentally, is that yeah, uh, races do exist, um, and guess what? uh, You know, we white uh, Aryan uh, are of supreme genealogy, and we need to protect. And so he proceeded to give scientific justifications. And cover for those who were still enslaving in the South, and you know who that that faction of people were. Uh, he basically gave them cover and says, no, 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 what you're doing is, is justifiable, because people like uh, you know me and others of my skin tone are gorillas, apes, and savages. This is literally what Darwin wrote. And, and 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 he says you know they're just a you know there's a, a, a fragment over the the paras, parasitical, uh, level uh, the level of parasites so um so we had this mindset then of these elitists during that time and it's festered and then proliferated to this time because of people like marx who was who, who was notably darwin's protege and he he actually dedicated all of his early works to darwin and so, uh, and so anybody that embraces Marxism and Darwinism to this very day, guess what? They are by definition – and it's unequivocal, folks. It's unequivocal. You are by definition a white supremacist and a racist, and you can't escape it unless you do as I do and say, look, I publicly renounce and denounce. Darwin, Darwinism, Marx, Marxism, any, any of their ideologies, I reject wholeheartedly. Now, when, when we lay that at the feet of our lawmakers and all of these uh, friends, quote-unquote, um, they'll have a clear choice. Look, here's, here's what the, your boys, Marx and Darwin and, and Margaret Sanger and uh, Francis Galton and all these folks did – so here you go. This is what they said. Now, you have a choice. Uh if you want if you don't want to be a Marxist, uh and, and, I mean if you don't want to be a racist or a white supremacist, guess what? Do what I did. Publicly denounce them right here right now. And and you know Absolutely. that our friends will not do that. And so they'll have to wear that label on them, but we have to get adept at putting the label on them as they put it on us. But we won't do it unjustifiably. See, they just cast aspersions. We'll be able to say, no, 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 no. Based on the definition, you're following an ideology that is racist and white supremacist. I've given you, uh, you know, verse and and, and, and letter and verse. So you choose to continue to follow this. Guess what? You have to wear this label. You're the white supremacist. You're the racist. Period. Hard stop. And so our lawmakers – so I am coming out with a document that's going to allow our lawmakers, allow us as parents and activists at our school boards to bring this issue up with real justification, no casting broad aspersions. We are going to be able to ferret out who is sincere about racism and who is not. If they still adopt and embrace Marxism in any way, shape, or form, guess what? They're not sincere. They're youthful idiots, and uh, they're carrying the water for white supremacy and racism in America.
1: Now, here we go. Here's, here's a poser for you. All right. Persons, uh, the individual happens to be a Marxist. That can be black. They happen to follow Black Lives Matter and crit- critical race theory. Oh, but I'm black, I can't be a racist. Really?
5: Yeah. Uh, you, you're black, but you can be a racist because you here, – here, here's what we have to remember – Right now, they say even if there's a curriculum in our school that has white people that have participated in the writing of it, like English and math, they're even trying to say uh, that we have to cancel it because of white supremacy. So um, uh, basically, what we're going to be able to say is, look, uh, look, if if I was an adherent or uh, fully subscribed to ideology of of uh, David Duke or any other notable white supremacist or racist in, in America, you would easily be able to, to, to label me uh, a white supremacist or racist. So if you, irrespective of what color you are, if you subscribe to the very white supremacy and racism that you supposedly are standing against, um, you, there, if you can't escape the distinction because you're actively participating and proliferating it. You are a white supremacist or a racist and or a racist. And, uh, and 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 so it's it's just it's just that simple. Now, if you want to escape that label, great. Do what I did. Reject Marxism, reject Darwinism in any way shape or form as it exists wherever it exists today. And 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 let's look together for any agencies uh, or entities that continue to embrace these, uh, you know, these 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 types of ideologies, and, and so um, and this is this is what we're going to have to bring it, and so we're going to make it easier for parents to stand up to school boards. We're going to make it. This book is. We're going to make it easier for individuals to stand up to employers and say, "Look, uh, our corporation is on the wrong track, and this is why uh, we, we've gone woke with these types of things." And and, and did you did you hear what you know? So-and-so actually wrote, said, and, and stood for, and blah, blah, blah. So we'll be able to do that really, really quickly and give people a chapter and verse where they could find actual quotes, footnotes, and everything else, and actually hold people accountable for, for continuing to try to proliferate this uh, demonic, evil, uh, hostile uh, ideology that continues to proliferate across America.
1: Well, you're going to have to have Jackie send me a, a galley copy for me to review and then have you back on the show uh, before the book gets released
5: and help promote it. You
1: yeah, I,
0: I, it. I actually – You just put yourself out there. Yeah,
5: I, I, I am. I am. <laughs> and, and I tell you what, you are going to – it's going to blow your mind because as I was writing it, I didn't really know where to, what to expect or how where we'd go. But it is absolutely mind-blowing. It's captivating. Uh, It's compelling, and it leaves no room for people to sort of wiggle out and say, "Well, I'm really not, you know." uh -uh. No, no, you are. You are. You have to own it. Uh, Now, you, there's a way out. Just do what I did and and renounce and denounce and stand with me as we go forward. You know, uh, people. You know, people who are who are hysterical about what's happening with the Supreme Court right now. Um, Those are what what uh, Vladimir Lenin deemed. Useful idiots. These are people that um, that want that demand the right to summarily murder babies in the room, uh, even as the main uh, you know purveyors of this are those who would uh, uh, who have specifically targeted the black community for extermination. This is Margaret Sanger's exact quote. Uh, we don't want the word to get out, but we want to thoroughly exterminate the Negro population. This is Margaret Fanger, founder of Planned Parenthood. While these people are uh, hysterical and shrill about, uh, you know, potential demise of Roe v. Wade, uh, they're standing on the backs of white supremacy, eugenicism, racists, and all of that. And these are people who would ideologically say, I'm not a racist. This is, this is what, you know, again, Vladimir Lenin deemed useful idiots, people who are so smitten by their ideology, they can't think straight about principles, uh, about prudence, about logic, uh, and rationality. These are people that are driven by ideology, and so those are useful idiots, lots of them, but hopefully this book will help wake them up too.
3: Well, hopefully it
1: does, Uh, because right now, REVCOM, which is the Revolutionary Communist Party of America, is planning a massive protest. I believe the date is the 26th of this month, uh, where they're looking for doing massive um, protests. I mean, you, you think about that, you wonder what exactly is behind these movements and why it is. Can we trace it down to pure Marxism?
5: Absolutely, I connect all of the dots very methodically, very methodically. I go through Marx's entire life. now, a lot of this can be found if you look uh, if you read uh, Paul Gingor's book the Devil and Karl Marx an incredible book. I've got a lot of lot of uh, clarity on marx uh from from his his incredible read um so I'd encourage people if you want to read up on Marx right now today. Get that book. It's the most thorough I've seen on Marx. But um, um, so I got a lot of real keen insight on who Marx was, how he was, how his whole life began. He was a straight up. We would call him today a straight up demonic loser. And 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 the reason why is that this guy never worked. Uh, He's written these these convoluted concepts about economies and. And economic policy and political policy know, within his communist. We knew nothing about it. He knew nothing about how to how to how to earn, how to work a decent day. He, he was a, a grifter. He was a he he, he uh, His entire life, he was subsidized by his mom and dad, and then Ingalls mm-hmm. later wrote him big checks, so he can just take care of his family. He was also a sexist, a horrible sexist, misogynist. Uh, he had a. Um, a sex slave who bore him a child. So this woman Mm -hmm. worked tirelessly for him and his entire family, and he never paid her a single one-plug nickel. He paid her nothing, her entire existence with him and his family while she worked day and night slaving over them. Instead, he bedded her down multiple times and got her pregnant and then really did not ever publicly... Uh, except the, the the you know the his progeny yeah. that came from that, yeah. But anyway, um, he was a so this guy was not only a loser, a, graft, a grift you know who subsisted on grifts, graft from his family, but he was a sexist, a misogynist, a sex a sex slave uh, guy. Even before a sex slave was even a thing, this guy did it, and. um, and then he wrote these papers that – and then he was a grotesquely racist. Uh, so his, one of his son-in-laws was from Cuba, and he just happened to have dark skin, but he was Cuban. And, uh, and Marx was, 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 was adamant that – you know called him the N-word multiple times and said, why do you have that N-word? Why did you end up marrying a blah, blah, blah to his daughter? And um, so he and Ingalls were both grotesque racists. And they were eugenicists. They they absolutely believed in the master race. They absolutely believed having blacks around would taint the pure gene pool, as their pro, as their mentor told them, uh, Darwin. So, these are things about Marx that we have to understand. And then the other thing is that he was a virulent atheist. His primary goal, he says, look. These philosophies I've written about, about economies, and political and all of that, that's fine. But my number one goal is to dethrone God. That was his goal in life. He hated the notion of God. He wanted to dethrone God. And so he says, ultimately in my dream, I want Marxist revolutionaries to cover the planet. And this is our own religion, communism. And I'm, I'm horribly paraphrasing here, but this is what Marx was all about. And he said this, he stood on it, and he wholeheartedly believed it with his whole heart. And this is what these Marxist buffoons, these useful idiots out there who ascribe to Marxism, and I don't care what color they are. uh Ibram X. Kendi, I understand, he's, he, he, he believes Marxism is the way to go. Uh, Robin DiAngelo, she, she's uh, firmly Marxist, supposedly. And here's the other thing I want people to understand. Why do these people who firmly assert Marxism— Continue to work and and thrive in capitalist in uh, capitalist ways. Yeah, I understand. Kindy won't go anywhere for less than forty thousand dollars. I understand. Uh, uh, D'Angelo won't be, talk to you on Zoom or go to your organization for less than fifteen thousand. And we're talking for an hour. This is not for a day or a weekend. Or this is for one hour. So these people who purport to be Marxists, where everybody gets to share the wealth and all of this. They continue to break, break in millions of dollars a year. How is that? Why is that? And why isn't nobody tra- challenging them with, look, if you're a Marxist, give me the keys to your house. Give me the keys to your Tesla. G- give me your uh, your tenured, uh, you know, all of your tenure and all of that. Give it up, man. Go ahead and live like Elon yes. Musk lives. He's got well, the richest can, man can in can the we world. He's all over his properties.
0: We, yeah, Bernie, Sanders, Bernie is Sanders is the worst
5: example. Yeah. <laughs> no, Bernie Sanders is the worse example, but what I'm saying not- is, yeah, what I'm saying is even Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, he says, look, I'm going to give up my houses and stuff. He says, all this is foolishness. I'm going to give it up, and uh, I'll live like a nomad. So you got the richest man in the world who is willing to give up all of his mansions, over $70 million worth of houses, mansions, and all that stuff. And uh, now he lives, you know, he, when he travels to the, you know, California and this and that he calls up Larry Ellison and all the other, uh, you know, technocrats here and say, look, Hey, can I, can I cop a squad on your, uh, your sofa tonight? And so, uh, you know, these people, uh, you know, so, so he shows us that it is possible, even if you're breaking in the dough, that if you're sincere, you can actually give up your, your, your possessions. So why don't you do that? Marxist. And Elon Musk is not a Marxist. He's just, you know, he's just doing it just because, but, um, Uh, You know, point is, is that people like Bernie Sanders, who's the worst of the worst hypocrite, and, uh, you know, and then uh, all of these others, uh, including Barack Obama, who has multiple, multiple mansions across spanning the globe now, and has really enriched himself quite handsomely. Uh, These people assert Marxism, so why don't they live it for us so we can see how that actually works?
1: You know, another thing that if you want to get my blood boiling – bring up the words, equity and diversity. I'm sorry. What (laughs) happened about earning something on your merit and your talent and your hard work? But no, 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 no. Uh, I have to lower the bar because someone is too lazy to try to climb up and better themselves. So now I am guilty if I am not someone that supports and embraces diversity and
5: equity. Yeah, well, so here's what I encourage everybody. Most of the diversity, equity, inclusion people uh, I know or heard of or read about, they're all ideologically driven. In other words, they are not at all sincere about what diversity, equity, and inclusion means. So I, I, you know, I've written uh, an article or two actually about this. And I encourage everybody to challenge every DEI officer you know, because if they say they're all about diversity, uh, which means that you would allow any and everybody to the table, they're all about inclusion, which means they're all about making sure there are people uh, you know, of, of multiple ethnicities at the table. And then they're all about equity, which means that at the very least, well, in their minds, they mean that irrespective of your skills, talents, and abilities, we're going to have the same outcome, and that's, that's wretched, it's, it's, it's preposterous, it's uh, unethical. But, but let's just take them at their word that that's, what they, that that's what they mean. If that's true, every single one of the DEI officers on the planet should in with us against the uh, racist scheme to proliferate Black communities up to 90% now uh, with these abortuaries, namely Planned Parenthood and all the other abort, uh, aborder, uh, abortuariums uh, that, make, that, that are planted strategically in the Black community so we don't interrupt the elitist gene pool. So if they're sincere about diversity, guess what? You should be concerned that Planned Parenthood is trying to prevent black, more Blacks from being born. If you're con- disproportionately. If you're concerned about uh, inclusion, guess what? You should absolutely demand that every black baby has the opportunity to be born. If you're at least concerned about, at some level, about equity, that means that we don't have the right to prevent babies from being born. They deserve the same outcome that we have the privilege of living day to day. So their whole Scheme is 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 completely um, irreconcilable to facts, logic, reason, prudence, rationality, the ideological. If you're not a left progressive, you can't be a DEI uh, person. Uh, and so we need to challenge this wherever we see it. And I hope this is making sense to you guys.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I find it insulting that someone cannot based upon their merit and their qualifications, achieve what they choose in life. I mean, you're not guaranteed. There is no guarantee of happiness, but you have the right to pursue it. And you have the right to fail, too, but you also have the right to succeed as long as you're honest about pursuing it. So I would say that is more equitable than by saying, well, I have to give you the position because you just are too stupid to obtain it on
5: your own. That is insulting. Right. It is insulting. It should be insulting to everybody. It should be against the law. Uh, people should, be, should rise and fall based on their own skills, talents, and abilities. This is how we learn. This is how we perfect our, our craft and become even more skilled at what we do. Uh, here's what I want to remind everybody. If you, if you remember when Jesus gave the parable of the talents, uh, he didn't say that, you know, there was this, this guy who gave uh, one guy five talents, one guy five talents, and one guy five. He, he, he demonstrated that God gives us individuals, uh, you know, skills, talents, and abilities based on what he made us to, to do or whatever assignments he want us to have in life. So we all have different skills, talents, and abilities. Jesus pointed this out clearly in the parable of the talents. I hope you guys recall that. And then mm-hmm. so, um, and so it's our job to not pursue or covet or want even what somebody else has. Our job is to make sure that we maximize the skills, talents, and abilities that God gave us when he created us. It's simple. So why would we try to covet somebody else's, uh, you know, outcomes uh, unless we're trying to paint a picture that usurps usurps God's authority? And that's what these leftist, Marxist, virulently hateful atheist types are going after. Fundamentally, their whole thing about uh, outcomes and equity, it, it usurps God's authority. It says, no, 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 no. Everybody needs to be equal, has e- equal outcomes, and it enshrines communism. This is where we're going.
1: You know, there's so much more to talk about, and I mean, I don't even know where to start sometimes with, with someone like you because you, there's so many different areas in which to touch upon. Um, but as you were talking, I was thinking about a time I went up to Walterboro uh because my eye insurance plan had switched to the optometrist up there, and as i was sitting there, there's a elderly couple, and they were black, sitting there around, and you know, we just kind of like nodded at each other. Then a young father came in with his son, and they were also black, and the father was paying absolute attention to that son, whatever the son, and he was giving all this love. This is something we don't see much anymore. For some reason, the family unit has broken down, and the main center of that attack is in the black community. And the elderly couple watched the father and son interact, and the woman finally spoke up, and she says, thank you. We need more fathers like you in the community as an example. And the father's face just beamed. Why can't we? Yes. Once again, encourage family units, not just in the black community, but in all communities. Bring back the family unit's cohesion because kids need two guiding parents.
5: Absolutely. Here's the thing, uh, and this is what we we talk about a lot in our uh, we we'll go around the country and do our Remnant Rising workshops. We talk a lot about the importance of the nuclear family and fatherhood. If we ever want to Uh, change the trajectory of crime and poverty in America, and irrespective of the specific ethnicity or community that you're coming from. uh, If we want to change the trajectory of poverty and crime, we must uh, encourage uh, the nuclear family. We must encourage that fathers remain connected at the very least to their children. Ideally, they would marry uh, the mother of their children, but we know with the hookup culture, when you have you know multiple babies from different people, it's it's kind of difficult. But but remain connected to them because this is this is how children get a certain amount of our, their identity uh, and and uh, a certain amount of of, of, of feeling uh, affirmation uh, from uh, their fathers. And so it's it's if we're at a critical stage with 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 so many people joining gangs and joining mobs, riotous mobs in the street, because they're still searching for identity and affirmation. And they need to belong to a larger clique, if you will. But if we had a father, uh, they would have their identity. They know exactly who they came from, uh, you know, and, and, and who's a part of their, you know, uh, family uh, tree. Uh, and they would have affirmation of a father. Who is going to encourage a child? Look, just just do your best. Keep going. You can do this. Get out of school. Uh, do the right thing. Uh, don't be like me, who 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 you know is, is a wandering, uh, a rolling stone, and have you, you know do be the next generation. Do, be better than me, um, and encourage your kids to take you know to take a better uh, a better path. And so. Uh, because we don't have that, we have rampant crime, rampant poverty, and um, social anthropologists actually confirmed this. They said we could reduce crime and poverty up to 70% if fathers remain connected with their children, and if we had school choice programs, we had alternate learning programs. So we should, with all zeal, pursue those two and see what a difference these, it would make in our communities.
2: And, you know, you're exactly. right. Um, I'm from Philadelphia. And every time I go there and you know, I grew up there, I was born there, it's discouraging because um, a lot of people, as you say, families are missing the father figure. And and with that, another problem is there's no moral compass that these folks are yep. exposed to. So they're out in the streets, they, they're on drugs, some of them, um, they're very agitated very angry at society, and that's because all they hear from the left is a lot of hatred, you know um and yep. it's 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 to the point where I go visit Philadelphia and I'm happy when I leave, but you know I do my best to try to open the eyes of those family members and friends I have there about what's going on and about the failed policies of the left and who's behind a lot of this stuff that's going on that's bringing down this society. And frankly, I, I am surprised that a lot of my Democrat relatives and friends are going to vote Republican uh, because uh, I'm opening their eyes. And right now it's really hitting them where it hurts in the pocketbook. So Absolutely. I, think this is a great, I think this is a great opportunity for us to, to further distinguish how we are a little more different than that other party that they they've been beholden to for all these decades.
5: Absolutely. Look at look at that. Look at the death and destruction that that party is causing right now. We have the oh, de- yeah. debacle in Afghanistan. Tens of thousands of our American citizens still there and being horribly abused or beheaded in the most uh, horrendous ways. Then we have uh, all of the death and carnage that have come from high crime rates because we have no cash bail, um, and, uh, and, and we've funded large, uh, a, lar- a large percentage of our urban police departments. Then we have inflation. Um, we're paying double now, literally double, and, and, and for gas uh, to fill up our, our cars and trucks to get from point A to point B. Uh, then we have the abuse of critical race theory being enshrined within our federal government and encouraged throughout society this hateful ideology is trying is trying is is becoming mainstreamed, and it starts at the head it starts with the president of the united states and then we have um and then we have the price of food and then we have baby food and then we have you know a, an impending recession then we have food shortages that they're telling they're warned us about you know even biden himself said look prepare we're going to have food shortages this summer all of this stuff is preventable and predictable if we had people who were sincere about moving America forward. Right now, that party is not sincere about that. That party is sincere about bringing in, ushering in a new uh, world order. Now it's being called the Great Reset. But they really want us to join the global communities and be brought to the same par as other third world countries. And you, you can't deny you can't say, well, it's just bad, you know, just bad luck It's just we kind of we have a guy in there and he's kind of incompetent. No, you couldn't be this bad, even if you were in, an incompetent. This is planned. This is by design. This is this party that is taking us there. And I hate to talk about party politics in that way, because I'm not ideologically driven one side or the other. I am principally driven by the word of God, period, hard stop. But, um, uh, you know, I think think we do ourselves a disservice if we don't acknowledge that the the level of suffering and carnage and hate and volatility that we're seeing right now has come as a result of a, a party apparatus that had designed it in for it to happen this way.
1: You know there is someone pulling the, the strings on him. We know that, you know, and there is a reason for everything happening. We also know that, and a lot of these emergencies could have very easily be have been prevented. They admitted publicly that they knew the baby food shortage was going to occur back in February, and they waited all of this time for the shelves to be empty now children are actually dying and no one cares. You know, yep. they, they say, well, don't make don't e- home exactly. formula. So,
5: yeah, so you know what they did? They knew the baby shortage formula, uh, the baby formula shortage was coming. So here's what they did. They're trying to protect their rear guard so they bring, they bring pallets and pallets of formula down to the southern border and that's make right. sure that that's available for all of the the folks coming across the border, and not for us American citizens. So we know who their, their their prized possession is: those who are above the law, those who they will protect at all costs. It is not us Americans; it, it's those that come through our southern border from many parts of the world, and uh, you know those they they think that they could um, deceive long enough to make them part of their their party, and hopefully allow them to maintain power and authority over us Americans. But I, I'm, I'm with you. Now is the wake-up call. We have a lot of Democrats that are saying, look, I'm through with this. You guys are playing us. Uh, my eyes are open now. I see what what's what, and I'm not going to go for the okie-dokie this time. And uh, we just need to pray that even more eyes will be open.
1: Well, we need people more like Christian Semina. We need more people like Joe Manchin. I mean, it's not your daddy's Democratic Party anymore. It is something that is completely unrecognizable. There is no longer where uh, Reagan would have a kitchen cabinet and sit down with Tip O'Neill and hammer things out. Men on either side of the political spectrum, but being able to work things out and bring America forward. We don't have that anymore. The, the conversation and having a civil conversation Instead, we are told what to think and what we do. And if we don't walk lockstep, then we are domestic terrorists. The moms and dads protesting at school board uh, uh, meetings are domestic terrorists. Moms for Liberty are being investigated and harassed by the FBI. What they did to us with the Tea Party starting in 2010 to 2012 – Now, I've managed to survive since 2009. I still hold my meetings. But I did it because I didn't become a 501c3. I kept us as a loosely group of friends. So they can't attack me, but everyone else around me is gone. And unless you know how to gain the system, they will tear you down and apart. And
0: that's the only
5: purpose is power.
0: Power and money.
5: So there is a lot of work to do. Um, I'm hopeful and prayerful that um, we'll begin to see a change in direction for America uh, with this impending election and all of the things in between. I just hope that we can last long enough as a sovereign country. We have this thing coming up next week that Biden is uh, absolutely on board with uh, giving up America's sovereignty to the World Health Organization. Uh, which means that they can declare a pandemic on anything and shut down our entire economy for as long as they want. They can demand that everybody in America wears a face mask everywhere for as long as they they want. We have no more independent authority as a country to manage our affairs affairs from a health perspective. Um, But once you give up the health to somebody else's authority, then literally they can shut down everything, everything. So um, we need to be praying through what's happening right now, because we're in we're in a definitely a precarious state, and uh, by God's grace, we'll get through it.
1: Well, you know, you mentioned what happened there because the NTI, which is Ted Turner, uh, along with who had that massive uh, desktop scenario with the monkeypox, and that was back in March. They did the report in November. And lo and behold, just a handful of months later, we've got a guy in Boston that comes down with the monkey pox. Gee, and at the same time, Biden is getting ready to cede our sovereignty to the the U.N. and who? Hmm, strange timing. Yet, at the same time this is all going on, the Democrats are advancing legislation for a federal background check of Class, uh, classes that had to be taken, registration for you to simply be able to purchase a firearm nationwide, no longer yep. a constitutional carry, no longer state by state, but the Democrats want to make the gun law, federal gun law, to make it impossible for any American citizen to simply obtain
5: a weapon, a firearm, legally. Yep. So disarmament.
1: Ban
5: us? Yeah, disarm us, disarm us while they keep. Here's the, here's the thing that I uh, I'm, I'm I'm encouraging everybody to think through. Let's let's put our thinking caps on and let's think this through. They have the southern borders wide open, so anybody can come through with anything. So we're, they are coming. The drug cartels are coming through with uh, fentanyl from China. They are also coming through with human and sex trafficking. So they're they're enslaving women and young girls, uh, to be sexually trafficked throughout America. Now, when you have it like that, obviously they're going to come through with weaponry. So before anybody talks to me about disarming America or undermining the Second Amendment or anything else, what I encourage all of us to say is, look, you do know that as long as you keep that border open, you're just creating a black market for weapons because we're going to get weapons, Absolutely. not we, Absolutely. the law-abiding people, but the criminals will. And so they're going to be fully armed while you're disarming Americans, and we should say no. We're not going to do anything until you fully secure our border, because you are insincere Absolutely. about anything about weapons.
1: Well, Kevin, we've got our next guest in on the line. Where can people find you, and when is your new book coming out?
5: I'm hopeful that it'll be out by the end of June, but um, continue to check with us on the website. If you go to our website, everyblm.com, everyblm.com, go to our resources panel. Uh, you, we have all kinds of resources there for you, anti-CRT stuff, ivermectin stuff, uh, uh, exemption letter stuff, you can get that there. And then we also have a partner opportunity, a partner with us. If you become a partner, you'll get an early copy of the book. And uh, you'll get all of the heads up on the release dates and everything else. And so become a partner and uh, partner with us, support us, pray for us. And uh, let's see what we can do about changing the trajectory of America. We can do it. Uh, and so let's, uh, let's do it together. Go to everyblm.com okay. and, and uh, join us there.
1: All right, Kevin. You have a blessed weekend. And thank you. And welcome you back to the show anytime.
5: All right. Thank you, guys. You too. Bye-bye now.
1: All right, Kevin McGarry. Click on the link on the show page and go directly to his site. And we've got with us from the Heritage Foundation, a little late, but always welcome, uh, EJ and Tony. Good afternoon, EJ. How are you doing?
6: I'm doing well, Annie. How are you doing?
1: I'm having a great day today. When things go right.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, man. Um, you're you are if I can get this correctly, a research fellow for the Regional Economics in the Center for Data Analysis at the Heritage Foundation. I got that all in, one full mouthful. Wow.
6: I know, it's, <laughs> it's a lot.
1: Uh, and one of the things we've been discussing with some of our guests today was education. And the big thing is that's going around is that Congress and this administration wants to do a massive debt forgiveness for college students. Student loans. Why is that not such a good idea?
6: Well, we have to remember that forgiveness is just a euphemism in this case. It really means taxpayer funded. So it's not that these loans all of a sudden vanish into thin air as Biden snaps his fingers. Instead, what happens is the federal government assumes the debt, which is great, except that the federal government doesn't actually have any money. It only has your and my money after it takes it from us. So because the only way that these loans can then be paid off is by an increase in taxes, that's exactly how we need to see this idea of student loan forgiveness. It's a future tax increase. But the other thing that's really frankly insidious about this is you are asking people who on average make less money than college graduates to pay for the debt of college graduates.
1: You know, they want me to pay for someone who's going to a college that they probably should never have qualified for, for their degree in mm, renaissance literature or basket weaving or twiddling their thumbs, uh, and they complain they can't get that $100,000 job uh, because they have a college degree that is absolutely useless. So they end up on the public dole, and yet they have the public pay for a worthless College education. That makes a lot of sense to you, doesn't it?
6: Well, especially when you start thinking about how colleges and universities are already subsidized by our tax dollars, and these federal loans are also already subsidized by our tax dollars. So the fact that there's already so much federal money going into this is patently unfair. But again, it's just insult to injury when you realize that people who never even finished high school People who make literally less than half of the average college graduate are somehow now going to be burdened with paying off the loans of those who went to college? It makes absolutely no sense. Furthermore, what about all of the people who served our country overseas in order to have the government pay for their college? Are they going to receive some kind of recompense? What about all the people who took out loans and responsibly paid those loans off? Are they going to receive anything? no, there's no provisions for them whatsoever. We are literally just incentivizing people's irresponsible behavior.
1: So in other words, you take out a college loan, fully well intending never to pay it back because the government will forgive that. And oh, what is the, what do you matter if the taxpayer ends up putting the burden? Uh, you're not going to be able to get a job. She'll get Section eight housing, food stamps, uh, so, uh, your your uh, whatever additional monies that the government's going to pay you for not working. Oh yes, plus you get your free Obama phone, um, so you don't have to work at all for the rest of your life, and you can just waddle away your time being a full time college student, right?
6: Well, you bring up a very interesting what we call moral hazard problem. Because as soon as the government goes ahead and forgives these loans, what are future students going to expect? The same treatment. So they will take out more loans than necessary, more loans than they can afford to pay back, with the now expectation of those loans being forgiven. And we've already seen this, actually, with the current student loan moratorium wherein the loans are not accruing interest and payments are not due on those loans. And what has happened? People have come to expect that the moratorium will continue to be extended. Why? Because the president keeps extending it. Even after January, December and January, when Biden's Department of Education repeatedly warned students and promised them that there would not be another extension, you need to prepare to pay these loans back, be able to make the minimum payments etc. What happened? They went back on their word. It's another instance of promises made, promises broken.
1: Now, these loans are backed by financial institutions. So, what incentivizes
6: well, them? No, they're actually they're to actually not the- backed by financial institutions. They're actually backed by the federal government, which is, which is another important point to realize. One of the reasons why financial institutions are so ready and willing to make these loans is because they're not backing them. They're backed by the federal government, a.k.a. the taxpayer. So if you are, um, I'll use the example of Wells Fargo only because I know they are now out of the student loan business, but just as an example. So if Wells Fargo is going to make a loan, they don't care if you can pay it back. They don't care if you're majoring in gender studies, if you got terrible grades in high school. They don't really care if you're going to a university that costs $100,000 a year. Why don't they care? Because if you can't pay it back, the federal government will foot the bill.
1: Oh, but the federal government doesn't have money, does it? Oh, wait a minute. They do have a printing press, don't they? So they can still generate money into the market, can't they? That's that's a good thing, isn't it? You hear the sarcasm Well, we have,
6: we have to remember – yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're laying, uh, laying it on pretty thick there. Uh, You have to remember, though, that inflation is fundamentally a tax. So if the government is going to spend money that it doesn't have, Congress can either levy a tax or the Federal Reserve can print the money, but it functions literally the exact same way, and we're seeing that right now. And that's one of the reasons why the president and other people who talk about spending more money to solve the inflation problem, it's why they are so dead wrong. There has never been a tax in the history of the world that was lowered by the government spending more money. And inflation is fundamentally a tax. It's a hidden tax, but it's a tax nonetheless.
1: Well, you know, we only have like a a few minutes left, and I'm sorry we didn't have more time. Uh, But another thing, I mean, last night um, I thought my mom was going to throw her walker at the TV. God bless her heart. Uh, they had the energy secretary up there uh, talking about getting off of fossil fuels, going with green energy. And as the veins started popping out of my neck, uh, I'm going, they want to save the environment by going to green energy. But that very same green energy produces massive toxins that destroys the very environment, the arsenic that's in the solar panels. So you can't simply dispose of them in a landfill. Uh, the, uh, The psychological and other hazards by these wind farms, and I can go on and on and on, but we have to get rid of fossil fuels. Fossil fuels are bad because it creates CO2, but the more CO2 you put in the atmosphere, the greener the environment becomes because you can produce now more food and vegetation. You want to see me keep on going here on a big red? <laughs> well, you know, it's,
6: it's very interesting. What? It's very interesting with CO2 because there's actually a level in most parts of the world in elevation beyond which trees can't grow because the carbon dioxide, just as, just as we can't breathe at too high of an elevation because there's not enough oxygen present, trees are the same way with carbon dioxide. And that that elevation has actually increased slightly. Uh, you know, over the last hundred years or so because of a slightly higher carbon dioxide content. Uh, There's also a considerable amount of evidence that shows that crop yields increase. Uh, You know, there really has never been a revolution in the history of man that holds a candle to what fossil fuels have done in terms of reducing poverty, not just here in the United States, but around the entire globe. And to try to shift away from that miraculous energy source without any kind of reliable replacement is to doom people to return to a much, much lower standard of living. And in other parts of the world, it's not only a lower standard of living, it's a level of starvation.
1: Well, you know, it's very uh, ironic or not, I shouldn't say uh, ironic, but uh, compelling when you consider where are most of this uh, equipment, the solar panels, the wind turbines, the uh, batteries for these electric vehicles, they're all coming out of China. And China is now controlling a major portion of areas where rare earth minerals are being mined. Uh, but no one's paying attention that who is actually behind the push for green energy and, and cutting fossil fuels. There could only be one answer. Follow the money and follow the agenda back to China. They want to shut us down so that it can then control the rest of the world population.
6: Yeah, it's been kind of funny to see so many liberals say that we need to stop importing Russian oil so that we can instead run our cars on electricity, so we're now just going to buy Russian rare earth minerals to make all those batteries and sophisticated electrical uh, parts. No, I mean, it it, it really makes no sense from from beginning to end. And one of the saddest things, too, is that – We actually could be producing a lot of these technologies here at home, but because there are so many uh, over-the-top environmental regulations, that really precludes many American industries from having access to our own natural resources. And so at the end of the day, the, the real solution is to get the government out of energy, to allow every energy source to compete against every other one, and if solar and wind and any other so-called green technology is really worth its salt, then the then the market will literally just move to that naturally. The government did not need to pay everyone to replace coal with oil. The government did not need to pay everyone to get natural to start using natural gas, for example. As better resources, better technologies, more innovations come online, the market naturally moves to the newest most efficient thing. And there's no reason why the government needs to subsidize one or the other. We need to just let free markets prevail.
0: Now oh, that's a
1: huge amen to that one. You know, I always ask when people say well we got to get off of oil, we have to we have to stop drilling, and we have to do this and that. Well, when you think that before we were having massive rigs in the Gulf of Mexico, red snapper was almost non-existent in the Gulf of Mexico. Once those rigs went up, they made a, a man-made barrier reef for these red snapper to come back. And the, the best fishing for red snapper is now in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, if you ask someone, name me one thing that you come in contact with outside of stepping outside of your home and breathing the fresh air. Name me one thing that you use or come in contact with or require every day that does not require a petrochemical use to create it and no one can answer that what is going to happen no, if you can't have your a smartphone point. with no petri chemicals
6: no that that's a that's a great point annie and you know it reminds me of when they put the pipeline in in alaska and the environmentalists decried it because they said it would run across uh the uh caribou um you know the path they take every year to migrate back and forth and what it would do is the caribou wouldn't know what it was, they'd get scared, and they wouldn't cross it, and now they wouldn't be able to make it to their mating grounds, and all the caribou were going to die. Well, it turns out, because the oil is coming out from so deep under the ground, that it's significantly warmer than the frozen air up in Alaska during the winter, so that the caribou, during their normal migration, they actually will rest under the pipeline, and it keeps them warm for as long as they stay there, and now they are actually more likely to survive on their trek across Anwar because they had a respite where they were able to stop and get warm. And so the caribou population actually increased. So it's an example of how we never, we never really know until we have the benefit of hindsight, what all of the unintended consequences of all of our actions are going to be. And that's one of the reasons why it, it really is nonsensical to try to put on such such completely onerous environmental regulations because we really don't know until after the fact. And, yes, that means there is some risk in environmental harm. But we, we have repeatedly, time and time again throughout history, shown an ability to repair any harm that we do to the environment. People really underestimate just how big the world is and how little of an impact we can have on it.
1: Well, E.J., it has been a pleasure having you. I wish we had some more time, but we're down to our last few minutes of the show. Uh, People can find you over at heritage.org where you do some fantastic work, and they can read your articles over there,
6: correct? Yes. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, it is our pleasure. Uh, Check out E.J. Antonio uh, over at A Nice Baisano uh, over at uh, theheritage.org. And I'm going to end the show with When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, uh, and then I will see you all. Uh, This is uh, Law Enforcement Week, and tomorrow is Armed Forces Day, and I will see you all uh, on the flip side next week. Until then, I say good night, and God bless.